Odyssey. Hey, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saint, and you're listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. All right, it's time for another Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and with me as always is... Oh, yeah! The non-clicking Ian. What's up, bro? That's right, still on the wagon, but I'm here. Oh, man, we got two iTunes reviews this week. All right. <laughs> Uh, the first one comes from uh, Bagui, or Bogue, I don't know how you pronounce this shit. Bagui Herb Lives. It's a one-star review entitled A Big Fat Nope. <laughs> Listening to guys get drunk and talk about records where every song is their favorite. Nah. Well, you see, that's the thing. Every time we get a negative review, they've never heard our show, or they heard that one anomaly where we pick an album that we both love equally which is rare right so he probably heard one episode of us talking about maybe like high and dry or something yeah and, Who said, knows? and thinks oh, all their episodes are like it's kind of like how people like look at a headline and automatically oh that's what the story's about uh because the trump loudness cannot come into the states that was the headline on blabbermouth now if you read the article it says the contrary. It's like, but they do that for you to get, you know, so this is kind of like the same thing, you know? You you right. you hear that and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you hear, it's like looking at a headline on Blowermouth. Dude, read the whole story. Do not just judge on a headline. Do not just judge us on high and dry. And uh, by the way, fuck that, a big fat idiot. That's what that guy is, <laughs> moron. I concur, only and, on a second, yeah. one star review. And also, it shows you, you know, when we get negative reviews, it's fucking lies what they're saying. So, again, you know, we 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 persevere. All right. Well, on to another five-star review. See, we have 87 of those to two one-stars, so uh, the mob rules here. But this is from Rocket Ride 69 entitled, This podcast is an absolute must. Ralph Ian and guests are awesome. He says, and I quote, Are you a rock and roll junkie? Do you have the city boy blues? Is it time for change? Then it will take you 10 seconds to love the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Dr. Feelgood, a.k.a. Ralph, and Uncle Jack, a.k.a. Public Enemy Number 1, a.k.a. Ian, will make you experience your wild side by covering a merry-go-round of topics and bring back some power to the music. Although sometimes misunderstood, they are not here to save our souls, but instead to help you fight for your rights. <coughs> Excuse me. So tell all your girls, 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 you know the ones who wear glitter, and understand that without you and your friends, this rockin' podcast can't be first podcast band on the moon. If you are afraid or just don't dig it, then you can go home sweet home. But don't go away mad. Just go away. Ralph, I'm out of my head without you. Ian, I'm out of my head without you. 
Well, that is a Motley Crue review if I ever heard one. Yeah, that's the first <laughs> review on the moon. <laughs> Get out of here with that first review on the moon shit. <laughs> Rocket Ride 69. Wow, that was uh, that was an interesting one. And uh, the author of that, Rocket Ride 69, you might know from the Facebook page is Sonny Pooney, who is going to be on a future episode of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. So, uh, and isn't it ironic how that review started off really good, and then it went <laughs> to shit? I don't like Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we are going to have fun with this guy on this show. I can't wait for that episode. I can. <laughs> but, <laughs> but thank you, Rocket Ride sixty nine, for that uh, that uh, Motley Crue review. That 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 review was better than most Motley Crue songs. Yeah. Well, what is it? <laughs> so thank you very much. We appreciate it, and everybody else, keep those iTunes reviews coming. But in the future, now on the podcast, we're only going to do iTunes reviews, and our YouTube page, which is blowing the fuck the, up and also the thing is we have so many youtube reviews that it's just it, it just doesn't make sense so it's wise to do the itunes reviews here since people listen to us here from itunes and youtube since people listen to us over there we're gonna just put all the youtube reviews on youtube all righty well uh like i said keep them coming but now it's time to get into the news what do you say ralph i'm down all right, well, here's some big news. Ozzy and Zach Wilde are reuniting for what so far seems like a real brief 2017 summer tour. Uh, this is the first time Zach's been back in, I think, like eight years. And, uh, hey, man, more power to him. What do you think? Sharon, as much as she's a cunt, she's a smart woman. Because you bring, you see, Ozzy on his own with Gus G will fill arenas. But with Zach, it'll even fill more seats. Like everybody that'll come see Ozzy with Gus G will still come for Zach, but you're going to bring in more people. You know, like the, you know, the chapters as they are uh, from the BLS uh, thing. And, uh, and plus, there's a lot of people that never saw Zach Wild with Ozzy. And this is kind of like, you know, a reunion of sorts. You know, like, you know, like, oh, now it's my chance to see, you know, Zach Wilde play No More Tears. You know what I mean? So, yeah, of course, it's, it's total, it, it, it's the brainstorm of Sharon. Like, say what you want about her, because I say the same things. But I know some of you out there just hate her so much. You can't give her credit for coming up with this genius idea. And I think it's a genius idea. I love Gus G, but the problem with Gus G is that he never was given uh, any writing uh, he didn't. He couldn't write on Scream because Scream was already done. He pretty much went in there and did what he had to do. He's an amazing guitar player. I liked Firewind before he ever was in uh, in in Ozzy. And you know, I, I met him too. I, I saw Firewind rehearse. Super down to earth, nice guy. Amazing shredder. Amazing guitar player. But uh, he didn't really establish himself in Ozzy because you know, obviously, he didn't have uh, any you know. And also, we live in a different day. There's no such thing as guitar gods anymore. You can get the greatest guitars in Ozzy's band, and it'll be like, eh, bring back Zach. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, and I, I think, you know, when it comes to Ozzy solo, you know, you got your your Randy Rhodes, your Jakey Lee, and your Zach Wilde, but then you got your, your Brad Gillis, your Joe Holmes, and your Gus G. Who are and, very much n n never mentioned. 
Right, you know, and then there, you know, and and all three of those second tier ones that I just list are great guitar players. I'm, I'm taking nothing away from them, but since Ozzy is such a larger than life personality, you kind of you need a guitar player that can complement that. And there's just there's a certain star power that you got with Randy, that you got with Jake, that you get with Zach, that you don't with the others. And that's nothing against their music, but you know whether they were just. You know, but what music? None of those three guitar players wrote any music for Ozzy. None of them. Right, but there's a reason I think for that too. You, you know what I mean? I, well, I mean Brad Gillis chose to leave. Uh, you know, and Joe Holmes. I think they tried doing some shit with him, and maybe just you know the magic wasn't there with Joe Holmes. Walk they on got, Water, I believe, is the only recording off the Beavis and Butthead soundtrack. It's the only song right. that that features Joe Holmes with an on an Ozzy song. I think. I'm pretty sure. Already by the 90s, when grunge came in, who gives a fuck about Guitar Heroes, except for me and you, you know? Right, And, right. you know, our listeners, you know, but we're, 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 we're few far in between. Because, dude, look, obviously, me, you, and our listeners are always bitching about shit where majority wins. You know, we got to suck it up, buttercup, as one of our dumbass listeners told me today. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's the truth, dude. We all we all bitch about shit that we can't stop. You know, I mean, look, I'm I'm very I'm less inclined to be all bitchy about Guns N' Roses than you are. But I I understand your point and I agree with you. I would rather have it your way. But, you know, I will go to the show where you won't. But the right. fact is when I go to that show it's gonna be to a full stadium. Because it's not cause of Duff. Or Adler or Izzy. It's all about Axel and Slash. That's it. It's all right. about those two. And, and tell you the truth, you, you could grab anybody and throw a top hat on them and tell them it's Slash and they'd be fucking happy. And you know how I feel about Guns N' Roses? I feel it's because of Duff and Steven that made Appetite for Destruction as great as it is. I think it's those two. Yes, of course, Izzy's very involved in the songwriting. Of course, you can't have it without that. But I'm talking about the sound. The oh, sound yeah. The sound is really the groove section. That groove is so stinky and killer on uh, Appetite for Destruction that the other three are just there like, all right, let's add these killer songs to that groove. And it's a win-win situation, you know? But the yeah. bottom line is we, <laughs> the majority doesn't see it that way. They want to see the top hat and the guy with the bandana, and that's it. Right. Right, that's start. Guns N' Roses to them, <laughs> you know. Exactly, look at Thrash or Die, you know. Everybody's Thrash or Die because of me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's lame, I'm against that too. <laughs> I got the greatest drummer in the world in my fucking band. Stop with the Dr. Funk shit. <laughs> I'm not going to no more Thrash or Die shows. Fuck them. <laughs> oh wait, I have to or nobody will show up. Damn it. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Wee oh, wee. Hey, hey bro. Hey bro, what's up? I love, I love Christy, bro. <laughs> I love you, Christy, bro. Every time I see his girlfriend, I'm like, I love you, Christy, bro. <laughs> oh Lord. Alright, next story. Uh, Municipal Waste, a band we both love, is getting ready to put out their sixth album, Slime and Punishment. But and I hope I it's better than the last one. You didn't like the last one? No, man, I didn't. 
I, I didn't mind it. It wasn't my favorite, but I didn't. I didn't hate it. But well, I, that was I'm my a, least favorite. That's pretty bad. I'm like an I'm like an Iron Reagan more now, you know. Yeah, I need to check them out. I haven't checked them out yet. Yeah, they're, they're it's pretty much municipal waste, you know. Right. But it, it's it's better, I think. It's amazing. Right. It's amazing shit. They got two uh two and a half albums out, and I have them both all three on vinyl, all three and a half, all two and a half on vinyl. Nice. They have a split with a band called Oh My God, and I like them too. They're a death metal band. And I can't remember the name of it, but keep going. I know somebody will say, it's them. Yeah, I know. I got it, asshole. Thank you. <laughs> I know I've been a little stressed. Ian, I got I to gotta say something. I know you got to go, so I'll make it brief. Uh, I have a lot of stress in my personal life. And when I've come on social media and somebody, like, you know, points out the fact that, oh, man, well, get over it. You suck it up, buttercup. People that bitch about stuff themselves, it's like, bitch. All right, I'm done. See? See, I told you it was going to be quick. <laughs> yeah. Ralph doesn't like to suck buttercups, you asshole. That's right, motherfucker. I got diabetes. <laughs> That'll fuck me up. You, you tell me to suck buttercups? You fuck? You want me to die? You son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah, anyway, Municipal Waste got a new album coming out. I'm ready for it. Uh, another one I'd be interested in checking out is Voivod's going to come out with a new record in August. Yeah, that I am. Well, no, I'm, I'm looking for Municipal Waste. I have faith it'll come back. They'll come back strong. Well, you know, I mean, not a lot of people bitch about the last one. I'm kind of alone there. Majority rules again. But uh, I love Voivod. Voivod is a band that is a very acquired taste band. But, dude, I even loved Angel Rat. You know, and that's the one everybody hates. I love Angel Rat, too. Uh, yeah, I was I was just gonna say I, I thought you were gonna make fun of me for hey, liking that. <laughs> hey, stop agreeing with me. We're gonna get another one star. Oh shit. <laughs> hey, hey, this show's different. We're both sober and we're agreeing. Yeah. Do you like us now? You fuck. You big fat uh, fuck. <laughs> uh yeah. So uh, Voivod, yeah, I saw him live at Ozfest when they had uh, Jason Newstead playing for him. I oh, see. And, I never saw that lineup. I would have loved to. I like that album too. And uh, and I, I, I really dug it. I'm kind of casual Voivod. I've checked out a bunch of different ones, and I just haven't got fully on board, but there's some shit I really like, and I definitely need to to explore some more Voivod, but I'll definitely check out the new album. My personal favorite is the first one. Rawr! Yeah. That's my personal favorite. But I love Killing Technology. I think that one's really good, too. All right. Well, yeah, that one comes out in August. Uh, hopefully they tour come here because I'd like to check them out again. I, I did see them. Yeah, I got to tell a funny story. I saw them when Snake was no longer in the band. Uh, right. And that's another great album. It's called Phobos. And I believe they made, I can't remember the one after that. I do have the long sleeve. And uh, we hung out with that bass player in the parking lot. And all we did was talk about Merciful Fate. Super nice guy. Bass player slash singer. Because they didn't have a bass player. They were a three-piece at that time. And I saw them at a place called Club Q that holds about, I don't know, how many people do, uh, fit in a phone booth? <laughs> yeah. What's their nationality? Canadian. Oh. <laughs> no, the people in the phone booth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. They're not, uh, let me put it this way. They're not Japanese. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well... My favorite rhythm guitar player that uh, Johnny Bogans thinks isn't important and James McCormick doesn't care about, Izzy Stradlin. You mean he's, two people that, that don't bitch about anything? 
Uh, Izzy Stradlin, he is guesting on the new John Mellencamp album. Yeah, I saw that. That's odd, huh? I never saw that connection coming. Well, he actually, I did not know this, he previously played on a uh, Mellencamp album. How uh, would I not know that? I'm the biggest John Google, Google Mellenballs fan there is. You know, well, at first I saw the headline as well, and I was like, that's kind of odd. And then I thought about it, hey, they're both from Indiana, uh... You know, both kind of roots rock and roll shit. I listened to the song. Uh, did you check that out, Ralph? No, no, I didn't. I, I, I dug it. You know, I, I like some John Cougar. I don't I don't like any uh, John Google song except for uh, Blood on the Scarecrow, Blood on the Plow. I like that one. Yeah. Well, this one, I don't know if it's that good. You know uh, that Jack and Diane song where yes. they're clapping? Every yes. time I listen to it, I fantasize of Jack slapping Diane and back and forth. Just like, they're just slapping each other the whole fucking song. Can't stand that fucking song. I'm sorry, people, that bitch about other stuff if you like that song. Hey, suck it up, Buttercup. I'm yes. trying to do the fucking news here. <laughs> yeah, suck it up, Buttercup, except if you have diabetes. I care about you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, he plays on this song Grandview on Mellencamp's new album. And I listened to it. I, I dug it. I dug it. It was pretty good. You know, I haven't heard of a Mellencamp song in a long time that I really cared about. I mean, he's definitely gotten... A little bit softer, more countryer in his in his old age, so it's not really the the Mellencamp shit that I like. You know but what's amazing about kind of him? I'm sorry. Go ahead, keep going. No, go. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say what's amazing about John Google was I remember seeing him on Howard Stern like I don't know, 20 years ago, and I don't know if he's still a smoker, but when he was interviewed at that time, he claimed I I could be wrong in amount, but it was like four to five packs a day. That yes. Yeah. I wonder if he still does. I'm not, I, I believe he still, I think he's like, a, says he's around like three packs a day now. And he's had a couple heart attacks. Yeah, that's fucking, that's Keith, Keith Richards material right there. Yeah, he just, he just won't quit smoking. But what I like, I like about him, even though I don't like all of his music, I like what he stands for. And I like that he's his own, you know, fucking person and shit. You yeah, know, I like what he did for the farmers. Shit. That was cool. Yeah, and uh, and this song, I, I, I like it. If you like some of the, the 80s. Uh, more rock melon camp. Check it out. Uh, but is he straddling? There's another motherfucker with integrity because he says, "Hey, if we ain't all making the same amount of money, I'm fucking out of here." Yeah, I, I, yeah. There I, you I go. That. There you go. All you fucking idiots that say about Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer, if they gave it to you, wouldn't you do it? There you go. Izzy Stradlin. I never thought about that, but you put him with Bill Ward. Those are two yeah. motherfuckers that are like, "Yo, you're gonna either give me what I deserve." Or fuck the fame. Hell yeah, is he? All right, he's more important to me now. Right, and what I like about that, though, is it's not necessarily a case of, like, he wanted more than anybody else. He wanted the five guys to all split it like they did in the beginning. And build it, too. Yeah, and and, and I I love that, and I respect that, because... I mean, seriously, he could have really, he could have took that money and ran on that Guns N' Roses, you know, half-ass reunion shit. But it, it didn't feel right to him, and, you know, so he said, fuck it, and you got to respect that. You know, I mean, those guys need to go over to Five Guys, because, you know, Five Guys get, you know, that burger place. Right. They all get equal share, because they're, they're, they're called Five Guys. That's right. You know? <laughs> you, you know they're going to they're gonna have problems if they turn into, like, two guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, they probably the money gets split two ways between Axel and Slash. I only like that guy that flips burgers with the top hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the greatest. Yeah, he's the greatest one. Forget about the other two that make it much more tastier. But yeah. he's got a top hat! <laughs> yeah, forget about the fry cook. He's got a fedora. <laughs> and brushes his teeth with a hammer. <laughs> You know that guy doesn't deserve no thanks. Oh, no. Thank you. Oh, Lord. All right, next story. Judas Priest is putting the finishing touches on their new album. So, hey, this thing might be out before the end of the year. Well, you know, you think about it, dude. It's like, you better speed it up. I mean, how much longer? You know, oh, you know one thing I got to bring up, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but have you noticed in recent years, Clint Tipton is looking very fragile. Have you yes. noticed this? Yes. He seems like, I don't know, man, there's something wrong with him. I, I've been noticing that, like, in interviews, on stage, he seems kind of, I don't know, man. I mean, you know you know, there's something wrong when Ian Hill's more active on stage. Right, yeah. He he has seen, yeah, especially on stage when you watch. And, and I've noticed it, it, it's gotten worse since KK left. And No, no, in interviews, too, listen to him talk, it's like, Almost right, no, no, I know. He's trying, like, forcing to get words out, you know? Uh, and one thing I really like about, you know, I'm hopeful about with this new album is they're getting Tom Allman back as producer. Yeah, that's going to be cool. But didn't and Tom Allman have something to do with something recent from them? He, he did do uh, uh, the Touch of Evil live album that they did. Oh, that was forgettable. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't special it just seemed like the best thing about it was that awesome album cover that they stole from peter chris they stole from peter chris all for one it's the same fucking album cover uh, oh <laughs> oh god Remember? it's not that it's not that bad yeah yeah no i've seen them both hey like hey, hey ian ian get on google and type up sarcasm <laughs> oh wait uh but uh I'm hoping it, it brings the classic sound. Uh, I, you know, I was a big fan of Redeemer of Souls, but I, I think this one could be even better. You know, and I'm. I love Redeemer of Souls. Redeemer of Souls is a little too long, though. Not that I'm complaining, but if they condense it a little bit, I miss short albums, man. Right. No, and that's what I'm hoping happens with Tom Omen, uh, uh, <laughs> because you know, bring back a producer that has some say. And I think they respect him enough where he says, hey, this one, you know, really isn't making the cut, you know, or these ones are much better. I, I think far too many bands, you know, don't have that outside source that tells them when, you know. And a lot of, you see less and less bands using producers now. Everybody wants to produce it themselves because you save money. Because the producer gets paid before anybody on a record. He makes his money no matter what, right off the top. So you see a lot of lot of people playing it cheap and producing themselves, you know, because in this day and age with nobody buying music. But I, I think that's a vital importance to bands, you know, to have somebody that will say no, no matter who you are, you know. And uh, I'm expecting some good results on this one. I hope they don't let me down. Yeah, no, I, I, you know what, man? I, I'm kind of like a nut swinger because I even love Nostradamus. It's yeah, like, that's true. You know, but I didn't like Turbo. I mean, I did tune out there. And most of Ramadan was like, eh. 
And you, even Painkiller, I, I love Painkiller, but I, I feel it's a tinge overrated. And the only reason I do, it's not musically, which makes me a douchebag, but it's not Judas Priest to me. It's too one-dimensional where, you know, Judas Priest, what I loved about Judas Priest and why I put him way above Maiden is because there's a lot of light and shade on their shit from desert plains to, you know, fucking solar angels and, you know, on one album and, you know, but... Painkiller, I mean, the only left turn they really take on that one is Touch of Evil. And even that's kind of, you know, kind of blend. Like, it's, I don't know, in the same vein, I think. But, I mean, I put on Painkiller now and then and love it. I do love the album. But, you know, I would have loved it more if it wasn't called Jesus Priest. Because I'm a douchebag. <laughs> well, I've got a lot to say on that, but I'm going to save it for a painkiller uh, episode. Oh, we I haven't done that one yet, huh? No, right, no, cool. and I definitely want to do that one. Yeah, me too. Um, well, here's something you were talking about before, how we have our opinions, and, uh, you know, our Facebook friends have their opinions, but ultimately, the mob does rule, and most people don't give a shit. The Not In This Lifetime Guns N' Roses tour has grossed more than $230 million. Wow, I am so surprised. But it just shows you what a difference a top hat makes. Yeah, true. I, 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 I mean, look look at the difference between what Guns N' Roses was doing it, doing with the you know the Axl Rose experience with your bucket heads and your Ashpas and your fucking Bumblefoots and all that shit. But you put a fucking guy up there with a top hat on. And me, dude, <laughs> personally, the best time I ever saw uh, Guns N' Roses was the one time I saw him with Buckethead. That was the best show I ever saw Guns N' Roses do. Right, but people, I mean, people do listen with their eyes a lot. You know, and then oh, a lot people of people... couldn't get past Buckethead. That was, that was way too much for people. That shit was funny. What the fuck is the guy with a Buckethead? I want a top hat! Forget right. the fact that the guy is... Uh, plays way better than Slash, and not only technically, but dude, he, he's emotionally, he plays that emotional solo like perfect, dude. Go see Buckethead live. He just goes up on stage with a laptop, but he'll blow your fucking mind. He will convert you, because Buckethead is a freak of nature, bro. Yeah. And, I... like, and, and the modern day Kiss, you know, you don't know what he looks like. I mean, I know there's pictures of him when he was younger, but you can't, you don't know what he looks like anymore. Right. I love but, me, Buckethead. But, you know, it, it does kind of show you, uh, aside from a lead singer, you know, which, you know, nine times out of ten, I mean, you can get, like, sound-alike singers, kind of like what, you know, Priest did with uh, with Ripper or shit like that. But, you know, a, a singer you can tell with your ears. But there's so many people who can play what he plays note for note. But if you had your eyes closed, you, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know if, if who was up there. You know, but people see that top hat, and the majority, that's the only thing they give a fuck about. So, there you go. We're outnumbered. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, look at Kiss. I mean, but even Kiss is like, that is even more freakier because nobody's starting to give a fuck about Kiss. And yet, like, the the, the scab defenders, I mean, Kiss is kind of like, we're, we're like kind of getting into the majority part. It's becoming creatures of the night with Kiss now. They're huge overseas and they're shit over here. Anyway, what else is in the news? Uh, Tom Kiefer is beginning work on his second solo album, so it looks like no Cinderella work on the horizon, which let's, is unfortunate. And when we go to that uh, Rock and Pod Expo, let's yes. go up to Eric and, and laugh on 
<laughs> oh, I, I want to meet that dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I mean, I mean, I like. I mean, you know, it, it seems you know all of this is because of Jeff Labar's drinking. Oh, uh, is it? Which, Isn't he yeah. like a, 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 a like a chef now or something like that? Well, he was talking about going to school to be a chef. I mean, just he put out a solo album, which actually I didn't mind. It was just a solo EP. I didn't think it was that bad. Interesting. Uh, uh, maybe I'll see Mr. X send that to you. Yeah, I but, uh, but uh, supposedly the deal is is his his drinking, and Tom feels like they can't even take it on the road uh, because of his drinking, and and uh, Jeff Labar's even admitted as much in in interviews saying, "Hey, I take the blame. This is my fault," you know. And the guy asked him, "Well, are you still drinking?" He's like, "Yeah." He goes, "I ain't gonna lie. I'm still drinking," yeah. and that piss that pisses Tom off. And uh, who would have thought he can't quit and you can? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and this is temporary. I had so it was a James McCormick said something today, like like I got to change my name now. No, I'm just I'm taking a break. I'm just cleaning out this uh, years and years of abuse. I'm taking a few months break. <laughs> That's it. I'm I'll be back to my lushy. So. Yeah, it's kind of like the Ayatollah is Christian now, but he'll be no. back to that crazy like. Let's chop their heads off in the desert shit. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, cause I, I'm, I'm just doing this for like health reasons. Cause I, I'm like, I'm scared. I'm borderline the diabetes, and I want to be able to suck buttercups. And if I get yeah. diabetes, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? And, but you know the the one thing that I don't like about you not quit uh, quitting, about you quitting liquor or beer, <laughs> is that we are sending the wrong message to the kids. Uh, no, I'm saying have fun for about 30 years and then dry out for a couple months and then go back to it. Yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm I'm doing this so I don't have to give up drinking, if that makes any sense. You know, because you have to watch what you drink because of your diabetes. I'm scared that I'm borderline diabetes and I want to get all my, my health and my weight under control so I can drink the rest of my life. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, look, look at me. Uh... I mean, I, I don't think I drank as much as you, but believe me, you know, I mean, I, I like the hard stuff. I like the, you know, the Jaeger and the fucking uh, Jack Daniels. And recently I fell in love with uh, Fireball before I had my health issues. And I loved it, you know, but, you know, I, I uh, was able to do stuff sober, too. But if you look at all my Black Sabbath reviews, I mean, I was drinking Jack Daniels straight back then. During my oh, reviews. hell yeah. I mean, I... Oh. I but you know, I had to quit. But you know, you got lucky. You you had to quit without going to the hospital. That sucked. Right. Well, I, I mean, the the one thing though, I've got, I have, I'm lucky. I have like no history of cancer in my family, so that's a great thing. How old but are I got, you now? I'm gonna be 43 See? in a couple of weeks. I got hit and sent to the hospital at 48. So you had fought. You, and who knows? Maybe you would have went sooner. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. you know, the wise thing to do, Ian, is when you go back, you know, just do it a little lighter and and then just save once a month to become like the full blown Ayatollah. Yeah, you know, and I'm gonna start drinking a lot more vodka too. <laughs> but uh but no, I mean like like my biggest fear, like I get the diabetes and then I can't drink at all, you know, or like I'm forced to drink fucking wine and that terrifies the shit out of me. Mm, like, I love me some wine. Oh, I fucking hate wine, man. I don't want me to see there like drinking fucking Bartles and James like a fucking old lady. I want my fucking beer. 
You know, but wait, and you're, my whiskey. You're, you're saying something bad that I don't like, and I bitch about other stuff, and I don't like it. Hey, suck it up, sugar-free Jello pop. Yeah, suck it. Yeah, suck, yeah, suck, yeah. Thank you. I, I like how you said that. You care. I do. I do. I don't want you to get sick. Thank you. I don't have enough talent to do this all alone. That's right. All right. Next story. Uh, Sebastian Bach keeps talking about this Skid Row reunion, man. He, he says... I, I got, yeah, go ahead. I got something to say about that. Yeah, it says, uh, man, his manager was trying to do it recently. Now, I've heard this for the last couple months, but uh, it seemed like it got a little bit close, and then it went totally, like, dead again. So he's just letting all the fans know it's not his fault. He really wants his old job back. Yes, and I want to I wanna bring this up, because I meant to bring this up on the last episode, and I forgot because we got off track. I recently, uh, my beautiful girl, Bella, uh, bought me the Sebastian Bach audiobook. I already had the book, but I never, you know, I don't read because I'm dumb. So she gave me the fucking audiobook and I listened to it. I'm on, it's 10 discs. I'm on disc nine already. And I've had it for about two weeks. So, because every night, I, I like, the way I like to go to sleep is to hear talking. So usually when I go to bed, I put on YouTube and find an interview or something and go to bed. But when I have audiobooks, like I heard the Paul Stanley audiobook, that one I bought. And uh, the Sebastian Bach one. Sebastian Bach actually says in the audiobook why Skid Row won't get together. That's why I find this news story kind of uh, contradicting uh, what he said. He said in his audiobook, in the book, the reason Skid Row won't get together now is because of copyright. Because of, um, what's, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, the, the, the um, you know what, what, what's another word for copyright? When you write a song, um, whatever. Because Snake, Snake and, and Rachel wrote a bulk of music. Though he does say, and I do give him credit for this. He says, if you listen to 18 and Life before he was in the band, there was none of those high notes in the song. So he does deserve credit for that, I think. And, you know, he wrote like Slave to the Grind. He came up with the riff. And, you know, but <clears throat> the majority of the reason they don't want him in the band is because they don't want to give him... Uh, part of the publishing that's the word I'm looking for uh, he says publishing stopping the reunion that's what he says in his audiobook now okay, he's some different so, uh, so let, let me get this straight he's saying that uh, it, that's a stipulation to him like he wants some more publishing before he comes back I don't know I think so because he mentions it that way though he doesn't okay. flat out say he wants more publishing he does also inquire in the book that Snake and Rachel are loaded and they don't really need them. Like playing to phone booths and to a little amount of people doesn't really matter to them because they got a lot of money. And I think what they do to play shows is just for, for shits and giggles, kind of like what I do. I, I'm, I'm in a band for shits and giggles because I make money, you know, my job, you know. I don't make money with my right. band except for merch and stuff, and even that goes back into the band. But my whole thing with playing has everything to do with a hobby, not uh, and passion but not money. And I think that's what Rachel... I mean, I think it's fucking obvious by now. You know, that, that these two really... Uh, you know, look how, look at what a downgrade Skid Row is without Sebastian Bach, and they still won't budge. But yeah, uh, sounds like Rachel just really, really, yeah. really hates him. But there were very close instances. According to Rob Afuso, there were times that Rachel... 
and, uh, was willing to do the reunion and said Bashabach always said something to the press to fuck it up. Right. Always. Always like, all right, now, now, because Rob Afuso is always pushing for it. So he almost, he got Rachel on board and they were about to talk and everything, right when everything's about to happen, Sebastian Bach, they ask him some question where he fucked it up. Right. And you got to listen. And I'm, I, I've got to tell you, man, that audiobook is so fucking cool. The Daily Raw stories on there are fucking hilarious. And it's not only the, you know, oh, I got some pretenders to my throne part, but there's other things that he encountered with Daily Raw and with countless amounts of rock stars. Boy, you learn that Lars Ulrich is a huge cokehead in that, in that fucking, in that audio book. And, you know, there's a lot of Axl Rose. You know what? I've always pictured Axl Rose as the one guy in Guns N' Roses that was kind of like the least, you know, drug-oriented guy. No, no, he, right. he, liked, he, he liked his drugs, too. Uh, well, back then, you know. He talk, I always right. thought Axl Rose, because remember the infamous story when they, when they opened for... Rolling the, the, Stones. Yeah, yeah. And somebody's been dancing too much with Mr. Brownstone and this and that. I think that's around the time Axel stopped. But before that, I mean, when when Sebastian first met Axel, they fucking partied a lot, you know? Right, but I I don't, I mean, I could be wrong here, but was Axel, I don't think he was into heroin, was he? No, he didn't mention heroin in it. But yeah. what was it? Oh, uh, opiate. Uh, was it oh. opiate? It's like a big gooey, gooey thing. What's the drug of that? You're the expert. It's like a big gooey like, brown like, thing. Like, like hash? It wasn't hash. Or maybe it was. Because this this is the story. I'll bring it up. Uh, Guns N' Roses had their private plane. And and Sebastian was like, come on, man. Let me get on a private plane. And, slash, and Axel's like, no, you can't. You can't. He's like, look, I got opiate or whatever. He's like, all right, get on the plane. That was the story. Ah. Since he had drugs, Axel said, all right, get on the plane. What a dick. He wouldn't just let him on? No. No, he wouldn't. No. He's an asshole. Really, Axel? Yeah. You kid. He's an asshole. <laughs> all right, last story. And this is something I'm looking really forward to. I'm glad I caught the story on Blabbermouth. There's a new documentary coming out called Hired Gun. Did, did you see that story? I saw the headline, but I didn't read it, so I'm not like these douchebags that read a headline and just come up with what I think about it. No, I did see the headline, but I didn't read it, so tell me what it said. Uh, well, basically, there's a really cool, I think it's like a four-minute trailer uh, that you should watch, and it's basically, it's on guys that have been on so many albums, but, you know, you might not know their name, or they've never had, like, a real band. You know, like Rudy Sarzo, uh, they, they talked to... Uh, uh, Glenn Sobel, Steve Luthiker, well, I mean, he had Toto, uh, but Phil X, uh, and, and all these guys that, that do all this session work and just talks about how, uh, you know, they always know they don't have that safety net of a band to fall back on, and they got to they gotta take all this shit where they can, and uh, it, it just it looks really, really interesting. I suggest everybody check out the trailer for it. Uh, they're going to do a, uh, a one-off showing of it, and I think it's going to hit like some film festivals. So they don't have like a release date for, for a DVD or Blu-ray yet. But uh, it, lo it looks really interesting. I mean, if you're into that kind of shit, uh, you, you know, like some of the lesser-named people that play, you know, like there's all kinds of people, uh, <laughs> you know, have done this shit for Kiss. And, uh, and in fact, they do talk to Eric Singer. You know, and, and look look at all the different bands he was in and just, you know, like kind of like a ghost player and shit. 
And there's also some shit with Liberty DeVito that that I'm really interested in. And if, if you're not a Billy Joel fan, you probably don't know who Liberty DeVito is. But he played drums with Billy Joel for a long, long time. Yes. And uh, and they, they had a bad falling out. Oh, it, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, he was the longest out of, you know, what they called the Billy Joel group. Right. Uh, he lasted the longest. And they were like a really tight group i mean the you know the, the story i think we talked about it when we did the stranger uh you know wanted to work with with george martin but george martin didn't want to use his band and billy joe put his foot down but over the years you know he, you see it kind of changed and it looks like liberty really spilled some fucking dirt on billy in this one so i'm very interested in that but hired gun uh check out that documentary mm. there's also a documentary i don't know when it's coming out it's in the works on Triumph. Oh, uh, interesting. Triumph, uh, all th- and this is so cool, a Triumph. Check this shit out. All three members were recently interviewed by Eddie Trunk, and they had absolutely nothing to promote. They just all got together and talked with Eddie Trunk. Because Eddie Trunk flew to Canada to interview Bob Ezrin, which is another great interview. And I'm not a big Eddie Trunk fan, but shit, sometimes it's like, oh, he's got Triumph. And the whole Triumph... Man, they talk about their whole history and the whole show. It's like, they even, they're brutally honest. Gilmore says, it'll take me six months to get into drumming shape to play, and I'm not going to do that. You know, and they're not going to reunite. They have nothing to promote, And but that came up in it, how there is a documentary that's been in the works for many, many years, and there's no due date when it's going to come out. It's still in the works, and... Uh, and it's not only about Triumph, it's gonna be about other stuff as well, but it's also gonna focus a lot on the on the US Festival when they play the US Festival. But it's also right. the history of Triumph, but they throw in other shit in there. It's a little complicated. Listen to that review, it's really good. Uh, interview, it's really good. Yeah, well, I, I know they've said in the past that uh, another reason they won't tour is they wanna do a big production and, and it's not there. You, yeah, you know, no, I mean, Triumph, Triumph is like, one of those bands that were an arena filling band that nobody remembers anymore. Right. They did not stand the test of time except for the minority. Right. And they said that, you know, they're not going to come back and play clubs. They're not going to do yeah, it. Exactly. And plus Rick Emmett doesn't wear a top hat. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, Johnny Vogan don't care about him. <laughs> <laughs> Go get a hat. <laughs> Johnny Bogan yep. cracks me up every time they put up like one of those really really crappy well I mean t- to the majority of the page that guy's right there flying that flag I love this shit <laughs> I love Johnny Bogan because he's, he's got like the exact opposite taste as me but I love it I love I love people that stand up for I don't give a fuck if you don't like it or not I love it and I, I salute you you fucking you fucking hair fat panty. <laughs> I I can just picture him with like a wine juice box listening to, to listening to fucking <laughs> listening to slaughter going fuck yeah man fuck those yeah, guys. You know he's like I love it. <laughs> you put up anything that's like craptacular. He's like I'm up all night and I sleep all day. Yeah, I think, my, it, I think it was Flight of the Angels. He was like I love it. <laughs> I'm up, I, up all night, I sleep all day until my wife smacks me and says, pass out these juice boxes to the kids. That's wild. You know what's wild about that? He, he's, he actually likes females. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, boy. I feel like there's somebody else here. Oh, that's right. We got a special guest this week. Max Power joins us in the studio. Yeah, the Max Internet studio. Power. Hey, Max. Hey, gentlemen. Max Power by name. Max Power by fame. Yeah. Oh, God. We need to work on that. Oh, All sure. right. He, he, uh, <laughs> he's a, he became uh, well known to us through our through his uh, intensely entertaining YouTube reviews. Yes, very funny. You, Thank you. Yeah, you do. You do. Really, you might end up on the show if you're as good as Max. There, we got to get a what was that guy Nutter Futter, whatever his name. <laughs> that butt guy, Futter. Yeah, Butt Futter. That, that, that guy's that guy's good too. Yeah, we got some, we got some good people who can comment, but you know, uh, you know, we thought Justin Childers was hilarious. Yeah, on, true. On, on the internet, and then we got him on the show. Oh boy! <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> Just kidding, Justin. We love you. Yeah. What do you mean? But we? uh, yeah, I was being nice. Yeah, well, stop being. Uh, I like drunk Max, Ian more. <laughs> Max, you're uh, comparatively a little new to us and, and new to the page. So how did you end up finding us? Um, originally, the Eternal Idols um, reviews on YouTube uh, went from there to then. Um, I guess straight from there to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I think Ralph, you mentioned it in, in a couple of your your videos on that channel, um, and I, I, I've been listening since let's call it the spring of 2015. Oh, okay, um, but you, you, you took a while to join like the Facebook page, though. I'm not a fan of the social media. Okay, uh, I just always kind of shied away from it. So the only reason I'm even on Facebook um, <laughs> is to it, to participate in the Rock and Metal Combat podcast page and the Almost 56 page, and somehow I've been added to like a hundred other pages. Um, having to do with rat or van halen or something people <laughs> people just I, I, I wake up in the morning turn on my phone and i find out i've been added oh. to the um you know uh, the the rat 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 heavy metal madness page or, or something I, I don't <laughs> yeah i hate yeah. that too i hate when people add me to the groups and i cannot stand being tagged i can't stand it unless it's something i like which is rare i get tagged so and then you know the worst is when you get tagged on something where a lot of people comment on it, which yeah. just blows up my notification. And then a lot of people get mad at me going, dude, didn't you see the comment I left you? I go, I'm sorry, I got like tagged and there's a million fucking replies. And I don't get to see it. Yeah, social media does suck when it comes to that. And I'm about yes. to delete somebody from, from tagging <laughs> me so goddamn much. Sometimes I will shy away. Like if I see it's a real popular post, but I'm not that interested in it, I won't comment even though I have an opinion because I know it'll just fucking with all besides all the other shit we get because of the show, you know, it just yeah, it will clog up your shit. Yeah, I, so I and and it's and, and it really annoys me because I got to go to each one and and now you can't here's the new thing about social media. This is sucks. You can't untag yourself because if you do, you got to report them. It's stupid as fuck. It's like, really? yeah, it says uh, untag and then slash report. It's like, can't I just untag without reporting the person? You know, it sucks. Anyway. Right. So, so if you're listening, kids, please don't tag Dr. Fuck. Don't. <laughs> and a lot of people on our page know this, too. I remember when people tag me and they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, yeah. you tagged Ralph. Uh-oh. You, you get some people who listen and and, and, and some people don't, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I'm saying it again for the people in the cheap seats. Don't tag Dr. Fuck. Yeah. 
Exactly. In the in the cheap trick chat. Oh, oops. <laughs> Whoopsie. But uh, but Max, yeah, we do thoroughly enjoy uh, your comments. We love reading them on the air, and we want to thank you for for donating to the Rockin' uh, Pod Expo. Are you going to join us there? If I can, if I can make it, I'd love to. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the right fucking thing to do. I mean, well, where into, where, do you, where do you live? I live in uh, Ohio. So I didn't, I, I didn't ask away. the state. I said, where do you live as in your address, zip code? <laughs> okay. Yeah, my GPS coordinates. And and if there's a tree outside, and, you know, and if I can buy binoculars close by. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, to, just to donate to the Rock and Pot Expo and, and, and help you guys get there and uh, put on a good show and, and build up the podcast this is the right thing to do. If I've been listening for, you know, a couple of years and, God damn, listen to so many episodes, you know, that I didn't have to pay a dime for. It just seemed like the right thing to do. And I, I think other people, they, if you've downloaded at least like 10 episodes, if you can swing it, just drop by the GoFundMe page and, and throw a couple of bucks in the Yeah, tip. I mean, even five bucks helps. I mean, come on. Even yeah, and, and I appreciate it. And I hope everybody, you know, makes it to this event because I can't stress enough. We're not making one dime off of this. I mean, they are, these donations help paid for for Ralph and I, for our for our travel and our hotel, and we but already we, we already raised it. I mean, our our listeners already raised enough for us. Oh yeah, for our plane I, ticket and hotel. I uh, I don't know if you saw it, Ralph. I didn't tag you in it because I respect you. Uh, but I posted it the other day. Uh, I'd have to check, but as of I believe Thursday, the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast has raised. I think it was two thousand one hundred and thirty-five dollars. Holy mackerel! for donations that were in our name and I think right now we're a little bit over 6,000 and the goal is 10,000 but all this money is going into making this expo the, the best it can be and, and already it's we're having a party the night before three bands are playing it's going to be fucking awesome and uh, we're getting more stars to come and uh, and do signings I think that they just announced last week Eric Brettenham from Cinderella is going to be there uh, Greg Renoff, some guys from Tora Tora, uh, the producer Michael Wagner, I believe uh, Toby Wright might be there, another producer, and there, there's still some other people that are, you know, they're holding out uh, officially announcing because it is in August, so some of the stuff is schedule permitting. But man, this thing, there's going to be beer and food and, and vinyl and memorabilia, all kinds of shit. And at the end of the night, uh, there's going to be like all the podcast guys who are musicians are going to get up and play and everybody's doing like live episodes of their show I mean it's it's really going to be a, a neat thing so as many people as can make it man man, come to this thing and it's made possible thanks to people like you Max so I really appreciate this and you are our first uh, guest that we've had for this because we set up the different levels of donations and you are the first one to join us on this so uh, yeah, that's awesome and anybody that hasn't donated, listen, if you ain't got no money, you know what you have near your house. Every house has one. You have a red light near your house. Okay? Go stand in the middle. When it's a red light and the car's parked, go in the middle, walk up to each one with a can, dress really bad, knock a couple teeth out, and you can get at least five bucks in an hour. And then the rest, you know, you can... You can use it, to, you know, for like a male prostitute. 
Because you could give a couple of hand jobs. That's, you know, get, well, they, get yeah. some money that way. Well, Don't they're, they're already doing that. I mean, yeah, get yeah, a little uh, money off that one. I never thought of that. I'm going to start charging. Yeah, yeah you know, just, just in the parking lot of Taco Bell or whatever. You know, put yourself to good use, fuckers. Exactly. I mean, god damn, you cheap fuck. Well, I ain't got no money, but you got red lights. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and there's all kinds of different donation levels, and you don't have to, you know, hell, even five bucks. Every little bit helps. Yeah, five bucks. You know? That's all I'm asking. And, Everybody, and, five bucks. Yeah, and, 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 and here's another thing, you know, it's like, if you if you can only leave a little donation, but you know get to the event, I would rather see people at the event. You, you know, but I mean I mean if you can't make it, then pay. <laughs> but uh, I I would love to see a big turnout. Already I'm I'm surprised how many people are actually making the trek uh, to Nashville. And I know that's asking a lot for people to go to Nashville because it's in Tennessee and it's Nashville. But fuck it, we're gonna take it over. You know. We're going to make it the fucking strip. Whatever we got to do, it's going to be a fucking riot. I can't wait. Yeah. Let me tell you so. Something. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, not only are, are you here, but you've got to pick the album this week, Max. So why don't you tell the listeners what they're going to hear? Very nice. Uh, this, uh, this week we were reviewing Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory by Dream Theater. Um, this is an album that... Uh, I first encountered, I guess, when it first came out in 1999. Um, first got into Dream Theater in 97 with Falling Into Infinity. And um, I had never heard of him before that. I was working at a record store, and a co-worker of mine cracked it open, put it on the overhead, and was completely downtrodden and disappointed. So I asked him, I wasn't familiar with the band, so I asked him, you know, what the, what the fuck were you supposed to do? Were you expecting to hear? And he played me images and words. And I was like, shit, that... that that is uh, one hell of a band. That is that's amazing musicianship. Um, I love the, the the song structures, and there's some there's some heavier rock metal content there on that album. Falling into Infinity was kind of like between radio FM rock and progressive metal. It, it just didn't fit either bucket. It was in between. Um, so that's when they first got on my radar in '97. And then when this came out in the fall of 1999, rushed to buy it, loved it immediately, and loved it ever since. Yeah, I remember being very disappointed with Falling Into Infinity, and, and uh, this one was like, because my, I used to do a radio show back then, and, and uh, one of the guys that did the radio show was a huge Dream Theater fan, and uh, he said, oh man, I'm going to play the new Dream Theater, they're back, and he played me home, and I was like, oh yeah, this is this is the band I fell in love with, you know, so I went, soon went out and bought this album, and Oh man, I, I feel personally it's a fucking masterpiece. But one of those three don't, exactly. don't feel that way. <laughs> well, uh, admittedly, I'm not the world's biggest Dream Theater fan, but I have been trying to get into them. And then, especially about four months ago, I was listening to a lot of their stuff, and I listened to it, you know, when I as I'm going to bed. I always listen to music when I'm going to bed, and this will put me to sleep. But, uh, you know, not, not necessarily saying it's all bad, but it's just kind of dreamy that kind of way. Dreamy, I guess, theater music. But, uh, you know, I heard them, like most people, I heard Pull Me Under when it came out. And I, I didn't mind it, but it, again, <coughs> at that time, you know, it was all about, you know, Pantera and shit like that and, and White Zombie and, you know, of course, what I already, you know, the other shit I love from the 80s. But as far as new music, I was definitely listening to heavier shit at the time. But uh, this this guy I worked with 
real weird dude, man. He wouldn't talk to anybody, but he's, he was every, it was known he was a metalhead, and you could tell by you know his appearance and everything. And I tried striking up a conversation with him one day, and he started going on and on about dream theater, about images and words. I was like, really? But for some reason, I, I never checked it out. And um, but I'd always hear stuff, you know, especially. I, I like a lot of musician type bands, but maybe not so much in the in the prog area. But, uh, you know, I, I just decided, hey, man, maybe I'm missing something here. But I'm having, uh, you know, there's certain things about this band that keep me from fully getting on board. And I'll talk about that as, as we go through it. But I, I wouldn't say I hate Dream Theater, but, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not a huge fan. I didn't see them live, and they weren't too bad. I saw them open up for Maiden. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this, this was an interesting <laughs> album that I that I never heard in its entirety until the morning of this review. I listened to it twice. So this is a, a fresh opinion of this album. But, uh, Max, you are our special guest, so why don't you take the <laughs> opening track, Scene 1, Regression. Okay. Um, it pro- probably um, bears mentioning like the, the overview of the plot. You know, yeah, so this oh, is... please explain. Because here's the thing about this plot. It's like, I understand it, then it throws me a curveball. I'm like, oh, all right, n- let me tell you my interpretation, because I don't know the plot, and I never read into it, so I know Max, you know. Tell me if I'm like yeah. somewhere in the ballpark. Some Go guy goes it. to a psychologist. He puts up, he hypnotizes him through hypnosis. Then he somehow goes back in time, I guess his past life had something to do with a little girl called Victoria that died, that was murdered, and then from there it just takes all these other like weird twists where he's involved and, uh, with with, uh, with the dead girl, and uh, and then like, then I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> am, I some, am I somewhere in, in the ballpark of the story? Uh, well, well I just, before Max answers, I want to say, I actually did some research because I was like, what the fuck is this even about? And I knew it was a concept. And when I read what it was about, I was like, oh my. <laughs> oh my. Uh, but I, Max, I'm sure you know it even better than me. Uh, yeah. why, why, you give your version of it. Yeah, I, I, I love this story. Um, it is, uh, it's kind of like a, it's a murder mystery and it's it's got um, like a romantic kind of subplot. Um, it's told in this kind of disjointed way. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Memento or yeah. fuck, I don't know, even yes. Pulp Fiction, where, you, where you, it's not linear. You kind of have to think about what pieces came before and, and you know, where you are in the story. Um, it, it's it's an awesome concept, I, I think. I have, I've always been really entertained by it. It's, you know, it, it's it's a lot better than like a Lord of the Lord of the Rings kind of thing where, you know, you know somebody's out slaying a dragon and then they get the sword of the ancients or whatever and butt fuck a troll or, or something. But, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a it, Ralph, to get back to what Ralph said, mostly right. I, I think you're, I think you're, you're, you started off right on the right track. It's, uh, so Nicholas is our main character. He's somebody who is, um, you know, disturbed emotionally and he goes to a, hypnotherapist who's going to perform what I guess is called past lives regression. He's going to hypnotize Nicholas and, and try to get um, him to remember what he was in past lives, I guess, um, uh, with respect to reincarnation. So he finds out about Victoria through dreams that he has after he gets out of this appointment with the 
with the hypnotherapist. Um, he, he slowly finds out the details. He finds out that she was murdered at the very beginning, and he slowly finds out the details. Um, she was part of a love triangle between um, two brothers. So she was involved with one brother and then um, broke up with him and, and took up with the other brother. Um, and uh, he's slowly finding this out through the through the uh, course of the album. And uh, he's really compelled to keep pushing and trying to find the answers because he, he just can't rest until he knows more about it. And in the process, finds out that he is a reincarnation of this woman, Victoria. Um, so he was her in a past life. And uh, she's trying Uh-oh. to... <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> Nicole. Yeah, I had that's, Nicholas that's was Nicole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess it's a it's a transgender reincarnation experience. Um, but uh, so yeah, that that is that's that's an overview of the plot. And um, so regression, the first one, it's about two minutes long. All it's just very simple, stripped down, just uh, vocals, acoustic guitar. Um, I think it's a pretty good start to the album. It's, it puts us kind of in the mind of the main character, sets the scene. Um, you start off with the uh, hypnotherapist talking. Um, so there's really not a whole lot to say about it. Um, uh, I, I don't really know much about like past lives, regression therapy or whatever. Um, I, I, I doubt most health insurance covers it, but uh, um, I, I, yeah, so not to... Not to belittle people's beliefs. I'll let Ian do that. He's, well, he's he's I, I got to tell you this. Uh, I also went to see a hypnotherapist one. Cause, you know me. I got more issues than People Magazine, right? So I, I go to a hypnotherapist, and I found out in my past life, I was a, I was a male. I was, no <laughs> I was a poodle, but no less, I was a male. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that always kind of entertains me a little bit. It's like um, if you've got problems, they're in the here and now. It doesn't. I mean, so what if? Let's say let's say reincarnation is true, and you were Julius Caesar in a past life or something. Who fucking cares? Right there, you, you got, go, Ian. Now you learn. Your problems yeah, are, okay. are your problems are for now, not not that, not that. Yeah, yeah my, you know, my, Ian, my, Ian, Ian was W. C. Fields. Nobody, not a lot of people know that. <laughs> my problems are the here and now. This album. Oh, God, yeah. The first song here. Oh, man. And, and I liked your interpretation of the story, but I, I was confused. I got the part that this dude used to be a chick, but when they said she was banging two brothers, I, th- I thought she was into black guys. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's up until your own interpretation. I thought, like, oh, this is per- this is Bruce Jenner here. He's going back, ah, he's a woman, he's banging two brothers. Here we go. Uh, off to a bad start here, Kilroy. Uh uh, the, the hypnotherapist, uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention, is none other than Terry Brown, who re- uh, produced all the good Rush albums in the 70s and early 80s. Um, yeah, I, I, it sets it up, and then it just goes into this boring-ass fucking lullaby shit. And uh, I, I don't like that. Al- already, I was like, you know, it's, I'm sorry, it just sounds like some pussy shit. And... Uh, I, I just want a little bit more rock, and this shit is just too fucking serious. And I have some issues with with the singer too. Sometimes he sounds really good, and uh, I don't know, but other times he, he gets on my fucking nerves. And he goes high, and then he screams when he's high. Yeah, it's uh. it's almost like he's too good. 
Yeah, you know, th this band this band needs a worse singer, I think, would give them some more grit. You know what I mean? I, like Vince Neil. I want to see Vince Neil with these guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy <laughs> fuck. But you're you know what stretching I mean? there. Why not get well, Brett no. Michaels while you're at it? <laughs> okay, right, let's go middle of the road. Hey, hey, <laughs> hypnotherapist, therapist, take it outside. <laughs> take it outside. Uh, but, but I don't know, somebody with a little bit more grit. Maybe, uh... Maybe Ripper Owens. Uh, just something a little bit more metal. There's just something a little too light the loafers about James Labrie to, to, to my ears. You know, he just sounds like somebody singing who probably doesn't like metal, but he's in kind of like a quasi-metal band. Oh, kind of like uh, Joey Belladonna. Eh, he's not as good as Joey Belladonna. But Joey Belladonna doesn't like metal. Come on. Uh, I... I I, I bet he probably doesn't like thrash as much. I can he's, see him like in the like, hard rock. He's like in the journey and rush. Yeah. Hard rock. Yeah, he's more. He's definitely more hard rock. But man, he pulls it off. But to me, uh, James, he just, I don't know. I, I, I want more of like a, a grittier singer. But uh, yeah, so already first song. I mean, it's really kind of an intro. But uh, yeah, you're boring. I don't know. Not buying it. What do you think, Ralph? I could be wrong, but I, I believe during this era, or maybe like soon after, or, or maybe soon before, uh, Portnoy was pushing to get him kicked out of the band. Well, really? I, I remember hearing wow. that from that major Dream Theater fan that I know. Like, you know, he knows more than I do. And yeah, he was telling me they, they almost kicked him out. I don't know if it was during this or, or soon after. It had to be before this. Anyway, <clears throat> yes, I love it. Well, I they were going through some problems with the record label, and you know, the, the, the label really kind of pushed them around. And wasn't made this make on Spitfire like or something like that? This was not on a big okay, label, this album. No, 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 no. This, this, this is Electra. Yeah, this is Electra. No shit. And, 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 and yeah. the reason the one before it, uh, this, that From Infinity that everybody seems to hate, uh, that was really record label pressure because Awake didn't sell. So the, the uh, Electra intervened and said, hey, you, you people, you need to do this, you need to do that. And they did it for that album. And it seems like, you know, you guys said you didn't like it. All Dream Theater fans always pointed that one as being their worst. The band points that as being their worst. But yeah, Electra, uh, I think this was their last one for Electra, though, I believe. I think you're right. Uh, the live album then wasn't Electra. Then. Uh, let me check. Yep, that was Electra. Okay. Well, anyway, I love this. I love, uh, you know, we already talked about regression. Ain't, ain't much to talk about. That's just a spoken word thing. Uh, Overture, I really love because it kind of kind of reminds me of the beginning of Animals. Because it also has that, you know, that melody that appears again on Spirit Carries On. And it also kind of appears in, uh, there's a thread of this intro all throughout this album on certain songs. And uh, I love it because it has that short to the point acoustic vocals, just like animals, you know, and I love animals. And uh, and then it goes into Strange Deja, Deja, which <clears throat> now this reminds me a lot of uh, uh, whatever that name of that song is before Revolution Calling on, a, on fucking Operation Minecraft, that instrumental. Well, well, you're going through all the songs before we get a chance to talk about them. No, we already talked about Overture, didn't we? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, because I thought, you know, I thought everybody talked about the first two. So 
So I was no. taking that and then going into the third one. Okay, no. my bad. <laughs> no, okay. Well, you talked about Overture. Uh, what do you think about Overture, Max? I love it. Um, and for part of the reason that the, the Ralph outlined, that um, there's little snippets of the music for the rest of the album in Overture. Um, so there's, there's a riff that'll show up later in Dance of Eternity. Um, I want to say the solo reminds me a little bit of the one in uh, Finally Free. I think it's part of One Last Time um, in, the, in the Overture as well. There's two great guitar solos as well. Um, it's only like three, three and a half minutes long. Um, and I love how it, it blends into the next track um, pretty seamlessly. All right. Well, this one's all right. It, it, it starts picking up a little bit. There is some good guitar work. But the problem I have with this song is the person that I think does more damage to this band than fucking James Labrie, and that's Jordan Ruin This. And that's what he does with this song, Ruin This. Uh, his, his keyboards are like, oh, man. I, I like I like piano, and I like like organ, like some John Lord shit or some fucking Ray Manzarek shit or Josh Silver from Typo. I like that kind of shit. But this, like, straight-up fucking... I, I don't know. It, it sounds like fucking... Uh, David Bryan from Bon Jovi meets Ingve fucking kind of keyboard shit. And you hear this crap in a lot of power metal shit. And I, man, it just really, really ruins it. And there's so many Dream Theater songs where it's like, okay, yeah, they're rocking now. And then here comes that shit. And I'm just like, oh, man, just like instantly deflates my, my metal erection. But there is, there is, uh, you know, there's worse songs on here than this. That's for damn sure. But to compare this to fucking animals, I want to smack you with a wet turd, Ralph. Are, are we talking about Overture still? Yeah. Damn, I don't... Uh, there's keyboards on this song? Like, keyboard solo? I don't remember that. Well, regression is just um, vocals and acoustic guitar. Oh, track one, wait. track two is Overture with um, the full band coming in. It's an instrumental. Oh, man, you see, I, I got... That's why I got it all mixed up. Because yeah. when you guys were talking about the little... You know, when I brought up the yeah. animals part, I thought right. that was Overture. Sorry. Okay. I, I I thought Overture was just, uh, you know, the straight in the light that surrounds me. You know, the whole little no, no, acoustic over, piece. A, yeah, no, that that's regression. That okay, overture, I thought Strange Deja was Overture. Yeah, no, Overture's so, the so So in, in an offhanded way, I was going into Overture still. <laughs> You know, I, I didn't talk. Well, that, well, okay, go ahead. Well, you, you talked about the first three songs all at once. Yeah. I, don't think you, I, don't, I don't think you know where one song ends and the next one starts. Man, dude, let me tell you something. For the people that don't know, I was dead asleep when Ian called me. Because I told Ian we had to do this at noon. And Ian called me at one, like, are we going to do a show? And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know? So I'm still kind of like, you know, g gathering steam here. To, but, but yeah, my bad. Uh uh okay can i talk about part two of overture <laughs> do it well i thought you already did overture no i didn't go into the band part i was just talking about the little uh regression part the the part where it's just well, yeah that's what see i still think you're getting the track listing you you should you should look at the track listing for this because <laughs> uh overture is just the instrumental part then strange deja vu is track number three yeah, you see, I thought I thought regression was only the the the, the talking, 
And then when it went into the acoustic, I thought that was Overture. No, no. All right, well, th there you go. So, yeah, Overture, uh, I have to agree with Ian. Uh, believe it or not, uh, there's certain parts of, I don't like the sound of those keyboards. I don't. It kind of does ruin it for me, but, I mean, I still love this album. But there's many parts of this album where that, those keyboard solos come in that I'm like, Oh, it's just not doing it for me. It, it needs a different sound, like a John Lord sound. You know, like yes. you're, you're, you're complaining about, you know, the, the sweet little pussy vocals, which I have no problem with. But I would like a heavier keyboard sound. You know, and I love, I love when he does piano. Though. I think it's beautiful when he plays piano. But the keyboard solos are kind of like, yeah, I, I, it would be better if it had a different sound. So, yeah. Uh, what I thought was strange, Deja, Deja, it's like, uh, that's what I was talking about. It reminds me of uh, Operation Mindcrime, the beginning of it, the Revolution Calling intro, and, and but with lots of Dream Theater prog thrown in. I love it. A few twists and turns that, that keeps me interested. But yeah, the, the e keyboard, and actually the keyboards on this song really doesn't bother me as much as it does later on. I mean, it's like whatever on that. But then later, it's like, man, there's some really good shit happening. And then all of a sudden, that sound kind of like throws me off center. And I'll, I'll talk about that when we get to the song. Hopefully, I'll get the song right. <laughs> all right, Max, what do you think of track three, Strange Deja Vu? All right. Love this one. Um, so we hop back into the storyline. Um, so he leaves the hypnotherapist's office, and he goes to sleep that night. He has a bunch of dreams uh, showing him this girl, Victoria. Um, he doesn't quite know what she means or who she is he dreams of the house that she used to live in i guess and um uh so he's starting to figure out um what's been bothering him and um so that's the story that's the lyrics the depressions of the music um i love the i love the verse guitar riffs um i really like the bridge that kicks in about two and a half minutes into the song where it speeds up um and it goes into a final chorus that uh is very similar to the chorus after the first second verse but it's a key change and they do that kind of stuff throughout the album that um, it's just a little twist it's just a little different that um, that that I love about how they write songs um, but uh, uh, this song doesn't have a guitar solo and I don't I guess I, I never really missed one I, I don't think that it that it really needs it um, but uh, yeah I, I, I love strange deja vu all right uh... This one's not bad. Uh, again, Jordan ruined this, ruins it for me, and uh, and Labrie to a le to a lesser extent. But uh, it's 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 not bad. One of the it's starting to pick up a little bit of steam. Let's see if it can keep its momentum. What do you think of Strange Deja Vu, Ralph? I don't know if I got the right right song. <laughs> Yeah, I, but, I don't know if you do either. Uh, I, I, my, see, I wrote notes because I love the song, but I haven't heard it in so long, so I wanted to keep notes. And plus, if you're going to review Dream Theater, you have to keep notes because there's a lot going on here. Uh, what I wrote here about straight... Uh, uh, well, actually, it's through my words because <laughs> I already talked about Strange Deja yeah. with the, with the okay. instrumental. Uh, through my words, I put beautiful piano and vocals just flow into a beautiful... Uh, thing that that then gets kind of heavy. That's all I wrote. I like it. it. It's mellow, right? And then it gets heavy. Is that well? Th th when it gets heavy, it's the next song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the next song, Fatal Tragedies, when it gets heavy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Then go. Uh, can I go into fate? Uh, <laughs> let's see if I get it right. 
Fatal Tragedy, because yeah. uh, we already talked about Strain Danger, everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, but but we need to talk about through through my words. This this, this review is as confusing as the album. <laughs> oh boy! All right, uh, what I put about through my words, which I, I I guess I thought was Fatal Tragedy, and tell me if I'm right, because uh, it, it's kind of a menacing type song where it kind of reminds me of Flick of the Wrist by Queen. Is that the song? You guys know Flick of the Wrist by Queen? I do not. Oh, okay, well, it's kind of menacing, and I saw that 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 song on this album. Is that Fatal Tragedy? Yeah. Victoria yeah, Forever. Yep. Okay, all right. So I'm on the right. I'm I'm finally caught up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's the next song. <laughs> Fatal Tragedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. We need to talk about through my words, and then we go to Fatal Tragedy. Well, fuck this, man. I'm not talking about too much. You guys talk about Fatal Tragedy. That's when I'm caught up. Just, I, I like it so far. Okay, there, there you go. <laughs> All right, Max, what do you think of Through My Words? <laughs> um, yeah, I'll echo, I'll echo Ralph's sentiment on the piano. Works great. That and the solo vocals. Uh, it's very short. It's like a minute and change. Um, just with the respect to the plot, Nicholas has now figured out that he was this woman, Victoria, in a past life. Homo! That's all, that's all you need to know. I don't know. Does that make him gay? I don't know. Can, I get, can we get a ruling on that from somebody? Somebody yeah. on the page. Rule yeah. on that. What is that? Um, a past, does, does being the opposite gender in a past life, yeah. you're, you're homosexual now. Yeah, if this is if this is the background music to it, definitely. Come on. <laughs> come on. Your past life, you are a female fucking two brothers? Hello? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. Through my words. What is that? Hey, that ain't man. Usually no. it's me getting that fucking noise at my house. Are you at a fucking NAS track? NASCAR track or something? No, I got the windows open. It's a nice day. They're building a house next door. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this, this song is fucking horrible. Horrible. The minute I this shit started, all that popped in my mind is, you know it's you, babe. That's what it fucking sounds oh. like. It sounds like fucking horrible fucking sticks. And, 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 the, and, and then I started thinking about that throughout the rest of this album. Like, this sounds like fucking bad sticks. Not that there's too much good sticks, but this definitely sounds like fucking, uh, what's that fruitcake was not even in the band anymore? Dennis DeYoung. Yeah, d- d- this sounds like the, the, the worst Dennis DeYoung shit. De- definitely, they lean towards that. There's no there's no snow blinder, you know, rocket sticks on this. It, it's all fucking Babe era sticks. But yeah, yeah, through my words, fucking horrible but then we go into uh fatal tragedy and fatal tragedy uh okay now we're getting somewhere now i like this one and i really love the guitar solo on this one. Oh, rips oh yeah great great guitar man if if all the albums sound like this and take away the fucking sticks man i, I would love oh yeah then it would be train of thought It'd be a fucking metal album a, a good dream theater album but uh but man, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't diss Fatal Tragedy. I have no idea what it, what you know, where we're at storyline, because I, I, I just read the story and then I listened to the album, and I didn't even worry about the lyrics because the music was making me fucking throw up. But this is one of the ones where I was like, okay, okay, maybe it's going somewhere. Really dig this track. Probably, uh, I'd probably say my second favorite on the album. Nice. All right, so then we go on to the next one, which is 
Did I say yeah. a few things about Fatal Tragedy? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem, yeah. man. Um, so ahead. in the plot right now, um, Nicholas goes to the house he sees in his dreams, and uh, he finds an old man there and tells him the story of Victoria. She was this girl, and she was murdered by you know, her lover. And um, so that's where we are on the plot. My impressions of the music, I love the riffs. Um, yeah, I... I absolutely agree with Ian. This uh, the guitar solo just rips ass. Um, at, at two minutes in, there's a there's a trade off between guitar and keyboards that I actually like a lot too. But I will say that the keyboard solo towards the end of the song could have been a lot fucking shorter. Um, so it's it overall, I don't mind the keyboards. It's just when it goes on and on and on and on. It should be something that's complementary, not necessarily um, something that's uh, dueling with the the guitars. And that happens on another song um, a couple tracks later. But uh, overall, love Fatal Tragedy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of glanced on the song. Like I said, it reminds me of uh, the, the melody, uh, vocal melody, reminds me of, you know, menacing flick of the wrist type song. Like, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> and then it goes pure heavy prog, and it's all over the place, yet it all fits. And uh, I also thought Victoria, like somewhere, uh, Victoria is the girl this guy used to be, right? You got it. But it, during this album, uh, I always got the impression Victoria was just some little girl that was murdered. But I'll get into that when we get into those songs. But uh, all right, so Ian, take uh, Beyond This Life. Uh, Beyond This Life. Got some decent metal going on on this, on this song. Uh, I, I dig this one for, for a longer song. It's uh, it, it's really starting to make up for the the gay storyline too, but there is there is a part in this man where fucking Jordan ruined this comes in, and fucking there's some horrible like it's a, a not like a honky tonk piano, but like uh, almost sounds like something out Keystone Cops or Barbershop Quartet, and, and I'm just like, what is this doing in here? I know it's supposed to be 1928, but give me a fucking break, you know? It, this shit came out. In, 99 man give, give it some fucking metal but there is a lot of great metal in this song it's just where it goes off because it's a, you know an 11 and a half minute song that doesn't need to be that long uh, you, you know they just trimmed the fat on this shit Iron Maiden already uh, but but man I, if, if you're looking for metal this is one of the tracks to go to that's for damn sure uh, so I dig it what do you think Max we're on Beyond This Life, right? Yeah. Yes. Nice. Okay. Um, so th- with respect to the plot, um, so he, Nicholas researches Victoria's murder, finds out about the, you know, the, the involvement with two brothers. She was killed by one. Um, the music, um, in the first verse, there's this part where um, underneath the lyrics is this wah-wah guitar part. This sounds kind of like dreamy, kind of like, you know, a flashback kind of. Um, fits the lyrics and, and the vibe of that part of the song really well. Um, there's a solo at about three minutes in that is that is absolutely fantastic. Um, and I and I and, and again, I've, I've, what I love about Dream Theater, one of the things is that um, they can switch on a dime really fast between um, uh, tempos and riffs and just dr- dive into something completely different and then um, jump back and tie it all together. And they they do a bit of that in this song as well. Um, the instrumental section at the end it goes on a little too long for me it's a little it's it, it, it can get a little jammy um i still love the song but um i think they could have they could have cut the keyboard solo back um but there is um at about 9 15 of the song 
in the guitar solo, there's a Frank Zappa kind of uh, riff. It reminds me a lot of the uh, guitar solo in, I don't know if you've ever heard Peaches and Regalia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, I, I, so I, I think that's pretty cool. He's, he's, uh, he's borrowing a little bit of that for the solo. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think that what you're listening now in the background is the is the um, industrial version of this album. <laughs> uh, I love this song. I think this song is awesome, but well, well, half of it. But it goes into these changes out of nowhere that I don't feel fit. But I, I love what it goes into after that, and I love the you know we travel far beyond part that mellow part. And then into that heavy section, the, but again, the keyboard, it's, it, this is where the keyboards start to bother me a bit. Kind of weak sounded. It should have been a guitar solo instead of that keyboard, if you ask me. Then it goes back into the same section before where I feel it, it's unnecessary. I think it's a great song, but it ends boring. Uh, but uh, I would like you all to talk about Through Her Eyes before I do. All right, Max, why don't you take it? Okay. So this is actually my second favorite song in the album. Mine as well. And here, and here's why. So, so here's 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 set in stage with the plot. So Nicholas visits Victoria's grave, and um, so he's figured out what happened to her, his relationship to her, and uh, he's just overcome with sadness, like he's grieving for a loved one who died, you know, in real time in his own life, um, is what it feels like to him. And between the the piano, between the the guitar fills and the solos are just so so emotional, and he and John Petrucci just makes the guitar absolutely cry throughout the entire song. Um, you get, I get a feeling that um, Dream Theater is trying to um, communicate about how the main character is feeling. Um, so me that that me that for me that that counts for a lot. That's that's what I think good art should do, and you're I. I and I know you're probably gonna snicker at this end, but I, I this is this is a fantastic, phenomenal song, um, oh, and it, 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 it because it communicates exactly what they want to for that time in the story, and it does it so well. Um, one thing I could do without is the female vocals at the beginning. Um, the woman's got a great voice, but it's kind of a, one of the lower points on the album for me. It shouldn't it shouldn't go on as long as it is it, it it didn't need to be showcased. How about that? Um, very, yeah. very dark side of the moon. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's de- definitely what they were trying to rip off there. Oh man, uh, that's when I was listening to this, I was like, "What is this fucking Mariah Carey?" And, and that's what that's what the whole fucking song sounds like. I, I think what the band was actually trying to convey to me is uh, turn this off and listen to a good fucking album because this is, oh my god, this is so so bad i mean i was really getting mad at this song like like it was a struggle to listen to this and i was cussing your name max because i'm like what the fuck (laughs) jesus christ man i was almost about ready to give you your money back and just say nah we're good we're good uh oh man this this is really really and there's you know a lot of people are divided on uh on dream theater that have heard them you know you either really get it or, or, or you really hate them. And this, I can see, this is why people fucking hate Dream Theater. It, it's shit like this. I mean, if you like it, hey, uh, day bless, man. It, it, enjoy it. But man, this is, th- this damn near made me shut off the fucking album. It was that fucking bad and that, like, 
70s, bad 70s fucking sticks and Kansas fucking garbage. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, this... I, I, I was sitting there thinking about all these records I bought yesterday that I would rather listen to than this shit, but I knew I had to. Even if I don't like something, I won't turn it off. I have to tell you why it sucks so bad, you know, and I'm, I'm telling you, this is just bad. Yeah, the, the female singer, that's totally like, hey, we're going to be like Pink Floyd because uh, we're, we're, oh, God, you're not Pink Floyd. You're not Pink Floyd. This is bad Genesis. This is like 80s Genesis. This is Invisible Touch Genesis. Oh, fucking horror. Except not as good. Oh, God, I hate, really, really hated this song. Now, now, Ralph, tell us about why it makes you cry. Oh, my God, yes, it makes the fur stand on my arm. I love, 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 always love this song. I think it's gorgeous. Absolutely adore it. So mellow and what seems to be kind of a drum machine kind of thing going on. It doesn't sound like that. You know, it's like, it, it, it's it's Dream Theater holding back there, but yet showing so much fucking emotion. And I love, I absolutely love Jane's voice on, on this song. I think, emotion, that's a Mariah Carey song. Exactly. It sounds it sounds so amazing with pure emotion. And uh, the simple little <laughs> gu- the guitar comes in after the first chorus just gives me chills. It's not... A wank fest. It's just simple notes, but notes that like just like what Richie Blackmore would do. That would like fucking like when Richie Blackmore tones it down and he just hits simple notes. It, it, it just uh, there's no showing off on this song. It's just pure emotion and beautifully executed. Uh, one of my favorite songs on here. It makes the fur rise from my arm. And the reason uh, Ian and I knew you weren't gonna like it, Ian. Uh, but Ian, Ian is not in touch with his inner vagina, and yeah. and and that's that's your problem, Ian. I mean, you're you're you, you can't, you know. The thing is, Ian, you, you're you're so you're so against this yet, but yet I can kick your ass, and I like this song more. And that's the thing, you you can't even go into your inner emotion, and you ain't even fucking man enough to be a fucking keyboard warrior like me that threatens to kick your ass over or on the other side of the country through the computer. You're not even fucking worthy enough to be an unmetal popular opinion crap. You uh-huh. you you pussy, I'll kick your fucking ass. That's why I like this song. I'm a Make tough sure you guy. get his inner child while you're at it too. <laughs> no, 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 all seriousness aside, uh, I, I fucking love this song, and I love yeah. songs like this. I love, you know, I gotta look at tomorrow. I carry now. <laughs> I, might, <laughs> I might like some of her shit, you know, but I'm telling you, this song is beautiful. I think it's fucking gorgeous, and uh, oh. it is my, my like Max. It's my second favorite. I have a feeling maybe Max's favorite is mine as well. And I'm sure my favorite on here, Ian's not going to like. And I think the best song on here is a fucking masterpiece where I wouldn't I wouldn't change a fucking note from it. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, okay, let me go into the next one, Home. Uh, I'm back on track here. Uh, like I said, this is the first song I ever heard uh, from this. Uh, I love this one. You know, it's so fucking long, but it keeps me interested all the way through. Starts with that Middle Eastern vibe with uh, that that shows up in, in the middle section as well. And then it goes into that killer wah, wah, guitar riff and the crazy prog is back in a big way, in a heavy way. Uh, I love the echoes, home, home. I love it. And the crazy jam section, 
It's just mind blowing. It's just a great melodic yet heavy and soaked in proggy godliness. Uh, well done, Dream Theater. Well done. Though it does have a keyboard solo I could care less about, but Petrucci comes up, comes in and just kills it. And uh, I love it. I love Home. Really long fucking song, but I, I think it's great. I think, I think it's a masterpiece, actually, but not my favorite song on the album. Third favorite. All righty, Max, what do you think? Well, this is my, first, my this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, there you go. And um, you know where we are with the plot is uh, so Victoria. So he's having flashbacks of Victoria's life. So she was involved with one of these brothers, a guy named Julian. He starts to develop a drug and gambling habit and um, kind of go off the rails. So she leaves him, and she takes. And that's this is the point where she takes up with his brother, um, a guy named Edward, and. Uh, the music of this this song blows me away. Um, it it makes such a good use of build up and, and coming to a crescendo. Um, you have the intro with the acoustic guitar, and I don't know if it's keyboards or a, a, what a sitar, um, but that builds up into these um, you know, monster wah riffs and uh, like this this drop D crunch riff for the verses. It just absolutely kicks ass. Um, yeah, I think Ralph said you know. John Petrucci just goes for it on this album. This is his. This is where he really shines on the album to me. The, the guitar fills, the solo, um, absolutely incredible. One thing I thought was kind of interesting is that about four minutes in, you get uh, a quotation from Metropolis Part One on images and words. That uh, that riff that's paid that's played briefly there actually is one of the main riffs in Metropolis. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. They do that a lot. They, you know, they're in tying the story together. Um, I love the Middle Eastern vibe too. It, it that comes up at the end during the jam session. Um, there's a part that that builds again another build up part um, about like seven and a half minutes to eight minutes, and uh, it's the same riff that starts out low in volume and then gets louder and faster, louder and faster. And there's a there's a woman moaning in the background. I guess yeah. it's supposed to be the the, the new couple uh, fucking. And um, at, at, right when it's about to come to a come to a peak. Um, you hear, if you listen close enough, um, there's like a blackjack dealer or a roulette dealer or something um, in the background for the casino. And, and at the very peak, he says, who wants to come? And that's when it kicks into the uh, fast riff that's, that's beneath the guitar solo. Um, I, always, I always thought that was entertaining. Um, yeah, just a masterpiece. Dude, that's I just awesome. Song. I love that. Now that I know uh, the story, that's pretty cool. Alright, well, I, I, I guess you know the layout of storyline a lot better than I do because I thought at this point what was going on in the story is I was trying to figure out how much money I spent yesterday at record store day and if I could still take 60 bucks out of the bank send it to you, cancel this review and uh, have enough money left to, uh, uh. to, to get to work <laughs> but then this song comes along and I will say this is my favorite song on the album uh, by far, you know. Again, this this definitely could have been shaved time-wise, but but I but I do like it uh, more the side of Dream Theater uh, that that I do appreciate. That's for damn sure. Yeah, definitely my favorite track. But for this album, that's like saying uh, that's my favorite time being molested. You know, it, it's still a painful experience. But I would have to say this is probably the best song on the album. Ralph, why don't you take the next one 
dance of eternity. This is an instrumental. Yeah, it's wankery that has its moments, but it's pretty much a song that reminds everyone that they are really good at their instruments. It's whatever, from heavy to progressive to ragtime. Uh, then it goes into that keyboard solo that I can't stand. But the one saving grace I got to say about this song that I absolutely love is that fucking bass shred. That bass solo on it, it's, it's, it just saves the song for me. I love that little section where uh, that little fucking... I, I, what's his name? The bass player? John Mung. Yeah, every time I see Dream Theater Live, every time I look at that bass player, I go, that's a robot, dude. That, should, that guy ain't even. Because he's just... He's just up there and he rips. He's just so perfect. And he does such a great, great fucking solo on the song. And that's pretty much the only thing I can really say about it. I, uh, I like, look, Home has that element too, but it, it, it fits the song to me. It, it, where Dance of the Turning for me is like, hey, Dream Theater, theater fans, look, 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 look what we can do on this one. You know, and, but it, it doesn't really structure a song for me because to me the most important thing is a song i don't give a fuck how good you are unless i go see it live when i go see it live i don't give a fuck about songs if i go see like you know you know your mclaughlin's your you know al Viola's and alan holsworth and stuff like that you know your jazz fusion shit i love seeing this live so your dance attorney would be entertaining live but as far as like sitting back at home uh, I don't I don't like being impressed that much uh, unless there's a song behind it and I don't feel there's a song here but again I gotta say I love the, the bass solo so that's what I think of dancing all right Max so this one this one happens to be my least favorite on the album I still really like it but um, yeah it, it, as far as the plot goes doesn't really it, it's an instrumental so there's no there's no really advancing the plot although um, I think what you referred to the uh, the piano part, um, a couple songs ago, I, I I wonder if you were actually referring to this one here because it breaks into like, like this ragtime kind okay. of vibe. But it and and that's I get I think that's supposed to be you know, the part of the story where you know she's hooked up with um, this brother, uh, her ex boyfriend's brother, and they're out on the town I guess doing the fucking Charleston or, or something I don't know 1928. But um, yeah, I mean it, phenomenal playing. They're obviously they've completely mastered their instruments. Um, it's a it's a little bit too long, even even though it's it's just a shade over six minutes. It feels a little bit longer than that. Um, uh, yeah, least favorite, but I still really like it. Uh, well, yeah, I agree with you there. It is fucking terrible. It is the worst song on the album. That's saying something. So it, 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 it wow, yeah, Jordan Jordan ruined this. Ruins this fucking thing. Maybe. Yeah, I guess you're right. You would know better than me. I know at one point I heard that shit, and I was just like, this is god-awful. And, and what I don't understand is at this point in a concept record, uh, you know, I can kind of get the overture at the beginning because, you know, everybody rips off the Who with their fucking, you know, the Tommy overture. But at this point, why have another fucking instrumental? You're trying to tell a fucking story. That doesn't tell a story. It's just fucking wanker. You know, if you're going to have, like, an overall theme, you know, begin it and end it, again, like you're ripping off the fucking Who, uh, I, I get that. But here, you know, kind of a little bit over the middle, it's fucking pointless. And, and and Ralph hit the nail on the head. It's one thing if you're seeing a band live and you're getting into it, but at home, just listening to it, it, it does nothing. And, uh, ugh. But uh, then it goes into the next song. 
One Last Time. I I really like this one. Uh, I, I was surprised. Like, you know, I'd given up on this album pretty much. Uh, but this came on. I was like, this is what they need. More three minute and 46 second songs. You know, because it just, it, it's a decent song. It, it serves its purpose. And then it's gone. Doesn't overstay its welcome. I just think it's a well-written tune. Uh, I would say, I don't know, maybe it's my second favorite song. I might, I might take it a notch over uh, uh, the, the, well, I guess there's only three that I like on this fucking album. Home, this one, and uh, uh, I think what's five. Fatal Tragedy? Uh, yeah, fatal, fatal Tragedy, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, this, this is actually a good song. I didn't mind this one. What did you think, Max? Nice. Um, really like this one. It's, where we are in the story is uh, Nicholas uh, uh, begins to discover that what was reported in the papers about Victoria's murder um, was was wrong. She wasn't killed by Julian, her first uh, lover. She was um, killed by Edward, the uh, the second guy she took up with, and Julian was framed. So that's where we are in the in the the plot. My impressions of the music. The intro is beautiful. The piano playing is is. I mean, say what you want about um, you know the the synthesizer part of of, of um, Jordan Rudis's uh, playing, but you can't argue with the piano. It, it's it's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, the bass playing stands out for me on this track as well. Um, great guitar solo, again, very very emotional. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is probably it's one of my favorite ones. I, I wouldn't take it over uh, over home or, or through my eyes. Um, but uh, yeah, probably my third favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm indifferent on this song, to tell you the truth. I mean, I think it's nice, but for some reason, it just doesn't really do much for me. But uh, it does not bother me either. I don't think it's bad at all. It, it's to me, it's just there. It really, I don't know. It's to me, I, I feel it's just part of the story, and you know. And let's get to uh, you know, and it, then it goes into the masterpiece. For me, the best song on the album. It gets to my core, man. It does to me what Pink Floyd The Wall does for me. It just goes straight to the soul. The vocals, the music, the buildup, every note on this shredding solo is emotional perfection. And that gospel vibe it has towards the end just brings it to a climax that screams masterpiece. I think it's perfect. Well done, well, uh, Dream Theater. Well done. When the Spirit Carries On is my favorite song off the album. And I would have to say it's maybe my favorite Dream Theater song, period. Wow. Yep. That's what I think. Uh, all right. Well, I got to say I made a mistake earlier when I said that uh, Dance of Eternity was the worst song. I forgot. This, to me, is the worst song. Is this... Uh, I'm trying to remember. Is this the one where they, uh, the the band sings after uh, James sings, like, like you hear the guys singing a chorus or yeah, something? Yeah. Well, shit? they're going ah, that, that. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. This horrible sticks garbage. This one was. This this is like Mariah Carey and fucking Celine Dion. This is so fucking ballless. No no bit of fucking rock on this. I mean, this this is really, really fucking bad. Really bad. I, I, I'm I surprised. I, you know, I know we disagree on a lot, Ralph, but I'm really surprised this is your favorite. I thought for sure you were going to say the last one. Uh, I mean, 
this man. I've got oh, three dude. words for you, Ian. Yes, sir. We are one. Uh, now okay, you understand where I'm going. Yeah, okay. I don't know what I was thinking. There you go. Oh, man. But Boy. the guitar solo doesn't do anything for you? To tell you the truth, I I, I, I can't even remember it. The rest of it was, was, was so fucking bad. I just really, I was listening to this just like, just frowning. Just walking around my house mad I had to listen to it. It was, <laughs> it was really, I mean, I mean, really bad. Almost made me like never want to listen to Dream Theater again. Man. Well, I got to admit, I hate the industrial version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, no, really really bad this this was a bad experience and, and i sure as hell picked the wrong time to quit drinking <laughs> good golly miss molly uh what do you think of this one max oh this is an incredible song um so where we are in the story um so nicholas is, is finally found out who victoria was what happened to her and he has some closure he's finally found the piece he's looking for and um you know, knowing that he's lived in the past kind of eases his anxiety about the future, thinking that, believing that uh, death is, you know, somehow not the end. Um, the music, absolutely beautiful. The guitar solo goes on for like, I don't know, maybe 90 seconds, close to two minutes. It doesn't seem that long. And I always go back and rewind it and listen to it again, um, whenever this track comes on. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah. Basically, the song is a build-up to that guitar solo for me. Just it, it's, it's amazing. Love it! Oh my God, do I love this song? One of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, favorite songs of any band of all time? Yeah, I put it up there. In my well, you know, top ten, maybe top fifteen. But yeah, I love this song. It really does touch me, man. It's like it touches me like uh, the priest touched Ian when he was a kid, and that's why Ian can't accept the song. Oh man. I love it, and I hope there is. A, I hope the spirit does carry on. And before we get into the last track, I want I, again. I gotta ask Mask because he knows this. I always got the. Don't they even say in this album it's a little girl that died? I mean, that's the impression uh, I get. It's like I, I got. I think it through the through her eyes was the one where I got the impression it's a little. It's, a, it's an infant or a child that was well. Yeah, I mean, so it's. Fuck. So maybe he's seeing her in a, in a dream as she appeared as a, as a young child because in Strange Days of Vu, I'm looking for here now, uh, it says, Young child won't you tell me why. Oh my god! Ian, get away from that fucking thing! I think Ian's standing next to it. I, I, Ian is that pissed off about this review. He went out to hang out with the guy working next door. Holy Ian's fuck. Suicide now because I made him listen to this album. So. Oh man, no! I'm... God damn! Death by Sister. Hey Ian. Ian. Yeah. Go outside and tell that guy to donate to the Rockin' Pod. He's part of the show now, motherfucker. Uh, he's, he's he's getting me back because I played the fucking Dream Theater twice with the windows open. Wow. Can you close the window? Yeah, give me a second. <laughs> How professional. <laughs> he stops when he closes the window. Yeah, he goes back inside the minute I get up. <laughs> yeah. All right, hurry up. Let's finish this crap. 
All right, right so did so, you get my answer, Ralph? No, I didn't. I, I couldn't hear it. Or, okay. Uh, so you're right. Earlier in the album, it, it, it mentions her as a young child. I mean, I guess is is that Nicholas's vision of her as a young child, and you know, but she was murdered as a, an adult. I don't know. But the you know the lyric from Strange Deja Vu is, uh, "Young child, won't you tell me why I'm here?" Um, as he's you know having this dream where he's visiting you know the house where she lived, etc. So um, I don't. I mean, it's a grown woman that we're that we're talking about. This and, and I just want to say, if you, if you go on Wikipedia. Uh, they do have an excellent synopsis of the story. If, if anybody out there is interested, they re- they really do break the whole thing down and what song is about what and everything. So, uh, Ralph, I could have sworn there was even the little girl was mentioned in some of the lyrics and why she had yeah. to go. She was so young and stuff. I mean, till right now, you know, I always thought this was about the murder of a little girl. You know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know about like lyrically but uh but like i said if you go on wikipedia uh on this album the synopsis it, it is pretty pretty detailed and and like i said we'll let you know what song is talking about what well i gotta go look because now now like uh thanks to max uh i'm, I'm in love with this album again because i nice. i haven't heard it in a while i really haven't then when i was listening to it at work yesterday I was like, geez, I forgot how fucking awesome this was. Well, you know, and I, I know from in the past, because, you know, I told you when I was starting to listen to, to more Dream Theater, this is the, one of the ones you told me uh, to listen to. I just never got around to it. Cause, cause I, because of it being a concept record, I was like, okay, it requires attention. And like I said, a lot of times I put, a, I put Dream Theater on the headphones as I'm going to bed, so I didn't want to have to, like, think when I'm trying to go to sleep. But, uh, well, Ian, I'm going to I'm going to tell you something that you might not be happy about. <laughs> I know a huge Dream Theater fan that doesn't like this album. Now, get ready to be disappointed. It's Brody. Oh god. <laughs> and you know that little kid's listening. Oh god. I remember him saying that to me one time. He goes, "I I really don't like my I was like, "Oh, wow, you're a big Dream Theater fan. That's kind of shocking." I don't know, dude. I mean, to me, it's uh, Images and Words. And even Awake, I would say, is better than this album. But then, after listening to last night, I'm kind of like flip-flopping now. I think this may be their best album. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard Awake all the way through. I heard Images and Words all the way through. And now this one. I still think Train of Thoughts way better than any of those. I, I like right. I like uh, Chaos, uh, Systematic Chaos. I like that. I, 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 li- I listened to some of that and, and I, I don't care it. for that one I like that one yeah that I, I what I the one I really like is um six degrees of inner turbulence oh yeah that's a great one yeah that was a good yeah. one yeah okay so uh let's get into the last one should I go or yeah, yeah. go ahead I think we'll let Max close up I think it's a disjointed mess it's uh, some great parts and some parts that just seem crammed into the song to finish the story I think musically it's not bad, and the mellow, the best feeling inside me, I think that part's nice. And the dark riff at the end, I like because there's no singing and the whole, you know, it, <clears throat> as a whole, it's it's a waste of, of some good ideas, I think. It's ruined by unnecessary changes for the sake of the story. Not the epic ending this album deserves to have, in my opinion. That's how I feel about this song. Uh, finally, I'm free of this fucking album. 
man. I was like, oh, yes, the last song. Thank God. And then I, then I looked at it. I was like, oh, fuck, it's 12 minutes long. Uh, yeah, you pretty much hit, hit the nail on the head, though, with what you said. Disjointed. What the fuck's going on? I just, it was literally a countdown to when this was over and I could put another record on the record player. Uh, yeah, real, real bad end to it. And I was, man, I was really disappointed in this album. I, I wanted to like it, but, but, but it wouldn't let me. And I'll, and I'll say this because I know I'm wrong. And I'll say this to Max because Max knows. Uh, the way the song ends, at the very end when the guy's like, Wake up, Nicholas. He's like, <gasps> and you hear that scratch? It, to me, I, I know I'm getting it wrong, but I always got the feeling, listening to this album, that that end part was like a twist in the song where the hypnotherapist had something to do with the murder. I'm, I know I'm wrong, but that's the vibe I got when I heard that. I was like, oh, the whole time it was a hypnotherapist. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get that feeling too but uh, I, I don't know what wikipedia says is that uh, the therapist is the reincarnation of this dude edward that killed um victoria and uh, her first well, boyfriend then I, then and right now and I'll so this is ahead. a cycle that's going to repeat again and again and again and again as they all is a all three of them get reincarnated um this murder happens um so that's what wikipedia says that was that's, never my that's fucking that's fucking cool well wow. and, well and, and, and they say too that was uh that the band said that that they say that on the DVD for the for the live version of this. So where you know, where that, in the commentary or in the because I own that DVD. Uh, I, hold on. Is there com- is there a commentary on that DVD? I think there is. It's it it's, it said the the band confirmed in the scenes from New York Live DVD that the hypnotherapist is Edward's reincarnation and has killed Nicholas to complete the cycle yet again. Oh, that's awesome. So at the end, the very end of the album is Nicholas getting killed. Yeah, yeah, he gets he gets the the the, the hypnotherapist wakes him up and then kills him. That's so awesome. And, and then it says the cycle begins again, which scares the living shit out of me that there's going to be a part three. You well, know, cause, cause, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen unless they bring Portnoy back. Well, well, you know, and they need Portnoy. They really do. Everybody hated this fucking uh, this last concept album. So, you know, when bands start getting fucking desperate, just like, you know, with fucking uh, uh, Queensryche, you know, you never thought there would be a sequel to fucking uh, Mindcrime, and there never should have been, but let, let enough album sales slip down, and all of a sudden you see more sequels. Holy fuck, was that terrible. And that's not, did you know that's not even Queensryche? That, like, Scott Rockerfield didn't even play on that album? Right, right. And there's another guy, I think, didn't play on it, too. Uh, Wilton. And, and I think... Um, uh, Eddie Jackson played on one track. That's it. Yeah, yeah, and, real okay. bad. Okay, uh, so uh, finally free, Mr. Max Power. Oh man, this is a fantastic close to the album. In my <laughs> this is. Uh, <laughs> Isn't it, Ian? Ian, yeah, you sounded uh, like the Joker there. That was a total. <laughs> that was total Caesar Romero. <laughs> That's old school Joker. Do that again, dude. Woo! 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 <laughs> I got to come uh, and see it. it um, I, I love the way that they take the verses and make them the first peri- first person experience of each of the three main characters. So it, it starts off with uh, Edward plotting the murder and how he's going to frame his brother. And then it moves to Victoria and how she's, you know, the murder victim. And then finally, it's, um, it's Julian, um, her first boyfriend. And uh, he's talking to her as they're dying. Um, it's... 
I, I, I love the acoustic and spoken word part coming back in the end that started the whole thing off. Um, I love the strings as they're setting the scene for the for the for the murder scene. Um, it just makes it, it gives a real ominous feel. Um, you mean you mean it, when all the yelling and all that shit's going on? Yeah, yeah. I eyes, actually I actually yeah. like that part of the song. Oh yeah, it's and um, yeah. So the sound effects yeah, really really work for me. Um, I love the riff. There's a simple riff that takes the song out, and underneath it, Portnoy is just fucking going for it. It's That's like his, a dark that, riff, right? It's very dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in this is his time to, to shine. Uh, Petrucci had his moment kind of on on home. This this is uh, where I think Mike Portnoy really shines. Um, and it ends an album that uh, is is definitely my favorite from Dream Theater. And and you know, like I was saying before we before we started, um, this is this is in my rotation for you know the. the handful of my favorite albums of all time so uh thank you guys for uh for talking about it with me well well thank you and i, I wanted to ask you i mean do you is is this one that you always listen to in its entirety or can you just pick songs and listen to it or oh uh, it, it, it's always got to be the from beginning to end straight through um, wow you are a fucking masochist <laughs> holy Jesus. well i want to start doing that i used to do that back in the day I used to listen to this and the live album where they play the whole album in its entirety. Yeah. And I don't know, they're, they're, you don't, don't, doesn't this happen to everybody when you love an album so much that that you just like forget about it and then you come back and you're like, wow, why why have I been avoiding this album? Doesn't that happen to you, Ian, with something else? Well, I, I, I've had some that I, I just, I love them so much, I keep playing it and keep playing it. To where I, I feel myself in danger of, you know, ruining it. So I'll I'll shove it for a while, and then when I come back to it, I'll be like, man, I can't believe I stayed away this long. But maybe, I, I maybe think subconsciously I did the same thing with this album because I didn't I didn't uh, you know, plan on okay, I got to stop listening to this. I just stopped listening to it, you know. And, yeah. And after but, last night, I was like, fuck, dude, this album is so good. And I remember. How much I loved it when it first. It was like maybe the first year or two I listened to it a lot, you know. And then it just stopped. I, I find myself a, a lot with, you know, what I listen to. If it's not related to what we're reviewing, I, I just I go into cycles where I get like really into an artist, and for like two weeks or so, I'll pretty much listen to nothing but them, and and then some other. Then I'll think of some other band, and then I'll go on to that, and then I kind of, I always like clamor on to a certain group and just play the shit out of them and then go on to another artist rather than you know mixing it up well i got a question for both of you is there an album that you guys listen to so much that you just don't care and you and you continue to listen to it after so many years and you never get burnt out on it is there an album like that for any of you two because there is one for me yeah destroyer by kiss really yeah Okay. I mean, it, it's 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 one thing it's got going for it. Besides, you know, Detroit Rock City, I could listen to that song every freaking day and never get sick of it. But um, it's bite sized. It's I think it's barely a half hour. If you cut, if you get rid of the sound effects at the beginning, and the end, it's probably twenty nine minutes. Um, so it's not a real big commitment to to put it on and and it could it could drive I could drive to work and uh, and, and and listen to it. You know, um, my mine is extremely long. There's actually two albums I listen to. And I never get sick of the wall from Pink Floyd. I listen to that a lot. I, there ain't a year that goes by that I don't listen to it at least a, a dozen times. I love walking to that album, 
and uh, Book of Shadows, the first Jack Wilder. Where the the second oh. one, yeah, the second one hasn't been out long enough for me to say, you know, I haven't. It doesn't have the, you know, it's what a year so far. But I listen right. to that one yeah. a lot. I love that one. I think it's an amazing. I mean, to me, Book of Shadows is like Godfather one and Godfather two. They're both amazing. I can't tell you which one's better, but time will tell. If Book of Shadows two is as good as one. But I never get sick of listening to those two albums. Is there one for you, Ian? Uh, well, I, I guess I would have to say, uh, like Van Halen two. I, I, a good I, one. I, I never, ever, ever get tired of it, and I listen to it so much, so much. And uh, yeah, that would be another one of mine too. I mean, there's a lot, but yeah, yeah Van Halen and, two definitely is one. And believe it or not, and not one of their best albums, but a Diver Down, I never get. I play more than Fair Warning. I think Fair Warning is a better album. Right, and Fair I, one I, is my favorite. Yeah, I, I think another one would be "Never Say Die." I mean, I oh, I, good I'm, choice. Oh, yeah, oh, always listen to yeah. "Never Say Die." And, That's the flex. Yeah, go ahead. And and even though there's there's times it's weird. There's there's sometimes I don't like Johnny Blade. There's sometimes I do, but but still that that album I just always always and and I I'm I think the only person in the fucking world I love Breakout. Oh, I, I hate that Rick song. Out. That's the one that, flaw in that album. For me. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, I never get tired of that. And you know, sometimes you know, I get burned out on the, on the title track, and and Hard Road, but the rest. But but still, I just play it over and over, and it, it's it's weird. We both we both said that it's still not our favorite, but I, I think just because it's so, it, it's so different. I mean, yeah. I I very very rarely. Um, listen to the first three just because I've heard them so many times and I love them I love every I mean they're masterpieces but I'm just like oh man if I if I never hear War Pigs or fucking Paranoid again I'll be fine you know or or, or you know uh, the namesake song I, I love them but I've just heard them so much but well, I listen to just... the first one a lot when I put out Paranoid I always slap on side too yeah but uh you know, as a matter of fact, you know, I just went back and I bought all the uh, uh, the Black Sabbaths on, on vinyl. But the only ones I don't have yet are the first three, just because I wanted the other ones first. But something about Never Say Die, I think it's just it's just the quirkiness of it, and it's so weird sounding that it always sounds fresh. It, it, there's nothing about it that says a time or place to me. It just it's like in space somewhere. I, I love it. Ralph, every time I hear Breakout, I can't help but think back to your, your YouTube review of Never Say Die. And oh, you I have Breakout too. playing in the background and a picture of an elf, like a circus elf, that's taking an enormous dump. <laughs> really? I, I, I gotta watch that again. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's I always think of that, too. Every time I hear it, I think of the elephant shit every time. But, <laughs> I don't but even I, remember I, doing that. <laughs> but that was I, a great moment in Eternal Idol's history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And, and I always laugh. I'm, I'm like, why does everybody hate this so much? I like this. Oh, no. You didn't see people attack me? There's a lot of people like, what are you talking? I, I, I haven't had one guy agree with me on Breakout. Everybody loves that song. Really? I was shocked. I, I was surprised. I, I might not have read the comments on, on the YouTube page. Oh, yeah, page. the comments. Everybody's like bashing me for that. But I, I know when we talked about it on, on the Facebook page, uh, a lot of people were ragging it. Uh, so I, I, I thought I was the only one who liked it. No, no, no! Believe me, you're not alone. I've yet to hear anybody say they like it. I mean, they don't like it, so I'm wow. surprised. I missed that uh, 
those comments. Oh, they're just probably just kissing my ass. They secretly love it. <laughs> but uh, but Max, I I, I, I want to thank you. You did a great job on this. You definitely uh, had a lot of info for this. Hell yeah, he's and... like the rock sponge. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, you're man. the new rock sponge. Oh, I didn't mean uh, that in a bad way. It's, hey, okay. hey, ask your dad for another 60 bucks so we can do a good album. <laughs> <laughs> no, red I, lights, I, I, go I, to the red lights. Zing. I, I, I got to say, I got to say, we have an episode coming up. Uh, you know, what we're doing right now is we're really, man, because to, to show our, you know, thank you for all the listeners who have donated and bought these episodes. We're taking care of all you guys first, but we have some other episodes we recorded that we're going to air much later. But Ralph picked out an album that, when it was done, it was so bad. I'm embarrassed actually that this is going to go up on 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 the podcast because I think the album is so so terrible and like, oh man, we we should even put this up, man. But but because Ralph, you know, I gave him leeway. I just told him he owed me. Someday we got to do an album I really like. I thought this album was so bad. I gotta say, the shit you picked is worse than that. Wow. Oh, the bar. I, I, st- I still, yeah, yeah, and you know what album I'm talking about, Ralph. I yeah, enjoyed I that. I enjoyed that more than this album. This this was really, really bad. But man, <laughs> uh, it, it, it don't it don't matter. I, I've got no problem re- reviewing it, man. But whoo, uh, and and I, we'd love to have you back, Max. But uh, man, hopefully, hopefully you pick what yeah. I like. You're gonna we're, love my pick of the week. You're gonna love my pick of the week. But we're uh, gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have you back, Max. But it's gonna be something Ian wants to review. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. No. Well, well, that's what I gotta find. I gotta find out what you hate, and then I'm gonna pick one. Yeah, of those pick out. one of those. Yeah. Believe me, Ian likes a lot of shit people hate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we ain't reviewing Bang Tango, by the way. Ian. Unless you donate. <laughs> you gotta have, have to put 100 bucks. You know, I just put 100 bucks to review at Allenson. You, you know, somebody mentioned uh, the Bang Tango, and I just laughed. And, because I'm still, I've never even heard the album. I, I just know that one song. Yeah, that's bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, uh, thank you, Max. We're so glad that you, uh, that you enjoyed the podcast. And, and thanks again for your... Your awesome donation, man. That's a, that's incredible. Of course, of course. And thank you for picking this album. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And you reopened my love for this album that I neglected for a while. Though it has showed up on my iPod Shuffle, a song here and there, through the years. But as far as sitting down and listening to it as a whole, I haven't done that since last night. And I was like, fuck, dude, this is a great album. So I plan on taking my walk soon, listening to this again. So thank you, man. You're welcome. All righty. Well, uh, let's see. Just some other facts. This was released October 26, 1999. Uh, produced by Ma- Ma- yeah, Mike Portnoy and John Petrucci. And I don't know how well this sold. It, it made it to number 73 on, uh, on the top 200. But I don't believe it went gold or anything. But it is. Most Dream Theater fans will point to this and image and words as... Uh, their best album so you I, I'm in the minority here for not liking it so I guess I just missed the boat on this one and I'm not really but, a huge dream theater uh, not swinger I love going to see them live but yeah it is it is hard for me to like listen to them I mean I like I tell you systematic chaos and and the inner turbulence and stuff like that it's like I've heard them and I liked them 
But then there's some I've heard, like, yeah, that last, not only the last one, but the one before it. The, uh, didn't they already do three with Man- Mangini? Yeah. yeah. Like, all of yes. them, I don't like at all. Neither one of them. Uh, uh, I like, I haven't listened to any of them all the way through, but on the second one, the one that's just self-titled Dream Theater, there's a song that's like a total uh, Rush ripoff. But, they, I mean, they consider it their tribute to Rush, and it sounds just like Rush. Are you thinking uh, about the Looking Glass? Yeah, I love that song. Sounds like Limelight. Yeah, I love that song. And I, know, even... I know the first one they did with Mangini, they were like ripping themselves off. There was a lot of images and words in that album. I, I was like, wait, they're just repeating themselves. I, I, I did see that a lot of Dream Theater fans online saying that that they were starting to repeat uh, some shit. But I, lo- I love, like I said, my favorite Dream Theater song. Rather, are you familiar with, uh, what's the name of that one? Uh, Nightmare to Remember, is that the yeah, one you were doing? Yeah, but I'm, try- I'm trying to name the album for him. It's uh, Black Clouds and Silver Linings. You know that one, Ralph? No, I don't. Uh, man, the, the first song, 16 minutes long, not not one second I would fucking change that song. It's I mean, it's just ripping. What, what's it on? Uh, Black Clouds and Silver Lining. The last Portnoy album. Yeah, and, oh. and what's, what's really awesome, I got the 3 disc special edition. And they, it comes with uh, the album in its entirety, and and then the album again, but in an instrumental version. And then they got it's all covers. They do Stargazer, oh, and then they do a, they, they do a Queen melody that's Tenement Funster, Flick of the Wrist, and Lily of the Valley. Uh, they do Odyssey by Dixie Dregs, uh, Take Your Finger from My Hair by Zebra, uh, Lark's Tongue and Aspect Part Two by King Crimson. And to tame a land by Maiden. I've heard and that it, as well, yeah. But uh, but yeah, a nightmare to remember. It's about uh, uh, Petrucci got in, in a car accident when he was a real young boy, and and the song's all about like it's almost like a comfortably numb where he talks about like the car wreck happening and then him being like out of it and taking a ride in the ambulance and then them doping him up and having surgery. But it's an amazing song, man. Really good really good all righty well let's go on to pick of the week max what you got all right my pick of the week is a classic of the stoner metal genre it yes. is welcome welcome to sky valley by the mighty caius great pick another album that i listen to front to back i probably listen to it about five six times a year but um I, i'm in the mood for it anytime so that's my pick of the week awesome what is Ralph, it what's, what was it Caius, welcome to Sky Valley. Oh, I love that album. And uh, I saw it yesterday on vinyl, but I was like, God damn, I wasted too much money. I'll get it next week. Uh, great. That's the one with um, uh, Demon Cleaner, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, love that album. Uh, mine is a uh, Frank Zappa album, uh, Apostrophe. Nice. You know, nice. The album Apostrophe. Uh, I was listening to it, uh, well, it, I actually put it on and uh, the other day, and uh, yeah, like every Frank Zappa album is kind of like crazy and shit, but I really love like, I guess the most popular song on there, not Don't Eat the Yellow Snow, which is also popular, and I like that song too, but I really love uh, Cosmic the Breeze. Yeah. That song is so cool. It's, it's like, that it's album. Like, it's like Frank Zappa being a brother, you know? Yeah. And that album has one of my favorite guitar solos of all time, uh, and it's it, 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 nope. It, 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 it's it's one of the shortest guitar solos ever, 
but it's just perfect and serves the song. Uncle Remus. Oh, yeah, the, guitar, yeah. the guitar solo on that is, is incredible. Yeah. And it just one of those where he doesn't go overboard. It's real short, kind of sums up the whole song, but like not one bum note. I mean, just beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. Great yeah. pick. Yeah, I love that album. All right. My pick is an album I picked up. Well, I started listening to it last week. I got it from Mr. X, but I bought it yesterday. It was a record store uh, record day special on glow-in-the-dark vinyl, but it's the fourth full-length album from the Black Angels called Death Song. And so far, I gotta say, I think this is, it's gonna be hard to beat this uh, for album of the year for me. And it, it's its not metal, but it's definitely, it's like stoner, psychedelic rock. But, oh my God, my buddy just turned me on to this band and, and I'd had it for a long time in my collection, never went, you know, uh, you know the MP3s and never listened to it, and then he just got me the other day. He's like, "Hey, see if Mr. X can get me the new one," and I checked it out. And oh man, when I saw this at Record Store Day, man, I, I cannot recommend this album enough. Again, Cancerous, it's not metal, but if you just like good stoner psychedelic rock, they're a great band out of Houston. I mean, uh, Austin, Texas, absolutely amazing, definitely. If it's if it's still not my number one album at, at the end of the year, then I'm, I'm really lucky to hear anything that beats this. Death Song by the Black Angels. Check it out. All right. Okay, we got a fan of the week? Yeah, our fan of the week is Max Power. Yeah, Max Yay. Power. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, hey, you did a great job today, and I know I busted your balls about this shitty album, but uh, <laughs> I, I tell you what, you really did good for a first time. Uh, guested on the show. Yeah, and don't take and, it don't take it personal because after all, look at his co-host. Yeah. <laughs> he, he still does a show with me. That says something. <laughs> but uh, no, no, you really, you know, you, you had information and, and very detailed on on what you thought about each song, and I and I really love that. And uh, we'll definitely more than willing to have you back on. You're and, like you're like the Rock Sponge without Pink Panther. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can get you a pick Panther. We'll no, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah, uh, and, and, and your comments have been so entertaining. And please keep those coming because, man, we always laugh our ass off when we read those on the air. Sweet. So, nice. All right. Well, thank you. All right, man. We hope you enjoyed it. And let's get to the plug, shall we? Okay. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, KISS Army. Since 2007... You've been getting Podkissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. 
That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast. All right. Well, if you're unlike me and enjoyed that episode, come back next week when, once again, you pay for it, you got it. I can't tell you what it's going to be, but I hope it's better than this. Just kidding. No, it's that's not. Next, <laughs> that's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bye, Max Power! Hey, guys, take it easy. Thanks again. All right, later, brother. Later.